This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman and Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at artofdarkpod. And we are back with another episode of Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com, patreon.com uh, slash artofdarkpod, t.me slash artofdarkpod for the Telegram channel, growing constantly, always fun, uh, a little unruly in there at times, but that's actually <laughs> pretty good. I, I will show up after a few hours, I'm like, oh, 137, okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> half of them are me. That. Yeah, yeah. Half, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah, um, uh, Twitter is at our dark pod. If you want to bug me, apparently, if you want to bug Kevin, get him at get on him. Uh, uh, get Telegram on the Telegram channel on the on the Telegram on the. Oh, is that? Are you are you trying to make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, may, may, maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. Um, uh, any other housekeeping we got to do, Kevin? Is that well? Just just the book club is coming. Season three is coming. We have a season three trailer on the website, artofdarkpod.com. A ninety second banger that Brad put together. We are also on YouTube. We are going to keep are. this. This is a pure audio podcast. We're never going to uh, sort of drift into the territory where we're where we're screen sharing and uh, grab this right. and change that. But we are on YouTube with video now. So. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. trying to. Yeah, yeah I Kevin, I noticed stylish. Kevin's hair looks better than it usually uh, does. Yeah, well, yeah. I I, yeah. I uh, doubled down. I bought more of the special shampoo that I. Oh, had. nice. Uh, oh, your man. hair t- as well, Brad. Fabulous. Oh, it's always it, it's amazing. Right. This always looks good. So. <laughs> uh, but l- listen, even if you're one of the people who uh, checks us out on Spotify, iTunes, it doesn't cost you anything to go to YouTube and subscribe. That helps our numbers. Please do that. Does, and yeah. uh, we're we're growing the show. Season three book club. Patreon goes to $5 on January 1st. If you if you get in now at $3 a month, you are grandfathered in. We've got some amazing stuff coming for the book club. Aaron Gwynn's going to join us for the first uh, uh, reading, which is going to be Heart of Darkness. And all the information is going to be on the website and at patreon.com slash artofdarkpod. That, oh, and then we're doing one more thing. We're doing, and this is on the website, we're doing an Eyes Wide Shut, my favorite Christmas movie, uh, watch along in the, in the Telegram. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. You, can hear a, you can hear our guest, and, and that's going to be later, later this month, later in December. So yeah. get on the website. The date, the information is there. We're doing that with Dexter De La Paz, friend of the show. Boom. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, you. Uh, that's that's fantastic. Now let's get into our episode, what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about, and we're going to have as much fun as we possibly can, but I got to admit, last couple days doing just like nonstop listening, I got a little bummed out. We're going to try to keep that energy out of this, but we're doing an episode on the late, great Norm MacDonald. Um, so I hope 
you know, if you're listening to this, I hope you're a fan. I think of, of Norm McDonald. If you're not quite, you don't really know him. I think you will be by the time we're through with this. Fascinating guy, hilarious guy. Uh, great stand up or greatest stand up, I think is really the question. Uh, and uh, to help us, we have um, a friend of the show who uh, who helped us out with the Bill Hicks episode. That is the great Blake Hammond. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time. Um, at Big Red Machine, big sorry, Big Rad Machine. I didn't enunciate yes. clearly. I was doing a little norm. I was doing a little norm there. I was like, yeah. Big Rad Machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recently released Blake One Eighty Two on YouTube. It's fantastic. I was listening to it for a second time today. So good, so funny, so like. I know it's maybe a little overstated to say something's raw, but it is kind of raw. It feels like it. Yeah, it, it, it's great. So please go out there and watch it. Yeah. Yes, please watch it. Uh, it's uh, it's like the first eight years of my stand up, essentially. Uh, that's just what came out. Uh, it's fun. A little production company. It's now you did it. It's uh, yeah, man. It's just jokes. We like jokes. You'll like yep. it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fun. Dude, the, the- did you i'm not going to give any away but like there's a bit where you you start you start reading your own tweets and uh <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so good because like they're they're all bangers it's banger after banger but like i don't know i felt like there was like this kind of awesome crossing of the streams thing happening i don't know it was it really yeah, worked. Man, it was really hilarious because it's like I, I write all these jokes on twitter and it feels like I mean, they're all just one-liners, so it's like I yeah. I don't do that in my act. And I mean, people on the internet are like, "Why do you use note cards? You're the fucking biggest piece of shit." Right? It's like it's supposed to be silly. Like it's like that right. makes it sillier. But uh, yeah, man, that's like my favorite bit to do. It's uh, I can I can talk shit about you know Tucker and also Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg and uh, yeah, man, it's just fun. To, and I mean, it's fun to do those in like super liberal crowds. It's fun to do that in super conservative crowds because like people are like, oh, he's on our side. And it's like, I'm not on uh, anybody's side. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's the move I love is it's like, I'm not on your side, man. I'm just, yeah, yeah I'm just yeah, spraying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah because it's all, I don't want, I want everybody to have fun. I don't, it's yeah. not like a, ain't up there, ain't Bill Hicks. Yeah. I mean, like, it's yeah, like, yeah. 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 I'm not making agenda. a point. <laughs> right amen <laughs> all right yeah well so let's uh on that note uh i want to start with all right so norm mcdonald a little bit later in the career he does norm mcdonald live which is a brief i don't even know brief is a podcast that ran for three seasons and then kind of became the netflix show and they would do he had guests on it was sort of like a play on on the old school uh late night talk shows in a way and they would have a thing where they would read these blue card jokes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they're they're great. And the best one of the best things about them is they're often very and he would make the guests read them. He would read one and then the guests would read one. And one of the hilarious things about him is he would give the guests the like the most offensive one. So he just hands you a card with a terribly offensive joke on it. And you're supposed to read it, you know, like it's nothing. So I'm gonna pull up a couple random there's a there's a website that has all of them and it just randomizes them when you're fresh. So I'm not picking <laughs> this at all. This is just the website, the one that one it gives me. <clears throat> Michigan man Curtis Peterson received a 15 year prison sentence for having sex with his pet pit bull. What's that, Lassie? Woof woof. Grandma got stuck in a well. Woof woof. Oh, you got raped? 
jeez. All right. Let's see if we can do one more. Let's see if we can do one more. Hold on. The refresh button, the refresh thing stopped working for a second. Okay. <clears throat> Let's be honest. Most people you see going skinny dipping are actually just going dipping. Oh. <laughs> Dude, one, of my, one of my favorites was uh, uh, that Lindsay Lohan can't swim a stroke, but she sure knows, sure knows every dive in town. <laughs> I mean, like, oh. it's, so, it's so stupid. But it's so funny. That oh. one, and then one about uh, it was Jenny McCarthy and somebody else we're getting married. It's like, yeah, it looks like they're about to have a honeymoon on fucking retard Island. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One more, one more. Okay. One more. And then we got to get into the question tease after dark. Okay. And then, okay. This, yeah, yeah. yeah, this, this one is important. Uh, This one requires a little bit of setup. It, uh, Adam Egit, the guy who uh, still around, he's the manager. He was the manager of the comedy store. I believe he's yeah. like going to be managing Joe Rogan's new comedy club yeah, in, Austin, in Austin, supposedly. Now, yeah. And he was like, he played Norm Macdonald's sort of sidekick on this late podcast run. And, and the whole point was Norm Macdonald was beat up on him, basically. The whole, that's the whole gag. And it's <laughs> hilarious, too hilarious effect. And Adam, he gets not a comedian or anything. He's just a guy, a perfectly char- charismatic enough guy. But whatever, here's the joke. A New Mexico man was arrested for urinating on a family at a Metallica concert, or as Adam Egit calls it, foreplay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to it, but one of the funniest bits I I came across, late bits, is Adam Egit, you know, Norm MacDonald live, and Adam Egit's there, and Norm MacDonald would tell the guests, he'd be like, you know, and he's pointing at Adam Egit, he's like, you know, this guy's a Holocaust denier, don't you? (laughs) He doesn't doesn't believe, he doesn't believe in the Holocaust. And Adam's like, I'm a Jew, I had a bar mitzvah. And and, and Norm's like, he's always telling me about 600, 6 million, you know, (laughs) one's too many, but I, you know. Oh my God. I can hear his voice. I don't know if I could do a Norm, but it's like, Hey Adam, you get I can't do yeah. it. No, <laughs> no, you, you can, can just hear it. it in your in your inner ear. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, amazing. So just, yeah. So let's so okay. Okay. Sorry. Got off track because we didn't ask the first question. Now I've ruined it. Kevin, what do you know about Norm McDonald? Great Canadian or greatest mm-hmm. Canadian? Ooh. That uh, that's another question I'll throw mm-hmm. into the mix here. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. SNL, that format, I, I believe he originated it. Uh, the, what was it called? The, the, or oh, the weekend update. Yeah. The weekend update. Did he, no, he, did he, he would not originate No, no. He, he uh... in, okay. Okay. Good. I'm getting up, but he inherited it, but he, he's the guy you think of when you think of weekend update for sure. And then of course that would metastasize into the daily show and all and everything else. Right. It became a whole thing. Uh, yeah, I was watching some of his suicide joke. Uh, clips because of something uh, Blake actually sent me something uh, earlier today where he he pulls out a gun. What does he say? He I don't. Goes, th- uh, I don't. Yeah. Think, I mean, call me old fashioned, but I don't think uh, the comics have to resort to uh, to shock to humor people. And then he pulls out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your impression is better than mine. That's great. Yeah, so I was, and, and it was like ten. 20 Kevorkian jokes all in a row. Oh and I and I and I was sitting there going, ah, more innocent times, the 90s. Right, take right. Me back or whatever. Yeah. Uh yeah. yeah, but beyond that, uh, I think I I would describe myself as a casual fan. A spe- gained a lot more respect for him, 
not after he passed, but toward his sort of twilight years, I kind of picked up on what he was doing. I mm-hmm. loved his golf commentary on Twitter. It was so <laughs> yeah. endearing and mm-hmm. uh, just a just a, a great man with a voice, a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that struck me as, as sort of interesting. Those things in comedy at that level don't all, don't always kind of you kind of go, OK, all right. Very interesting. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, the final the final special was so very moving because of the context and everything. But much beyond that, I do not know. However, uh- well, one more. I, I got to tease something. We're going to do another SNL uh, alum later this month in Gilda Radner. But today oh, yeah, is yeah. about mm-hmm, today is about Norm. So that's right. what I know. All right. OK, yeah, no, that's all pretty much. That's all pretty much bang on it. You know, we're going to find there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. But that's that's, a, I think, a good starting place and probably reflective of the average person of our generation's knowledge of Norm Macdonald, if they're paying much attention. Um, so. Uh, we're going to, in the after dark, I want to go more in depth on everybody, you know, in case you didn't know, Norm passed to the public and to his friends passed pretty suddenly. Um, but it turned out that he'd actually been suffering from an illness for quite some time. So in the after dark, we're going to go into that, um, a little bit more deeply kind of what the story of that actually is, but just know that's obviously we only cover people who've passed on. So Norm's not with us anymore. We're going to go a little bit deeper into that. And there is some interesting backstory and some interesting anecdotes. We're going to see evidence in his bits and his acts and the projects he was working on where you can see him actually sort of hinting at it. If you were paying attention, we're going to talk a little bit about that too. So that's uh that's the after dark for Patreon supporters only for Patreon supporters, <clears throat> patreon.com slash art of dark pod. So every episode we do gets another 20 or 30 minutes. The other thing I forgot to mention is what's, is it dirty business? Dirty work. Not dirty work. Dirty work. Uh, my my lady showed me she showed me that, and she she heard, and I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it. So and uh, it just today, she's like, you know, I'd feel better if you had sent me some whores. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> she, she was quoting it. I'm like, okay, all right, we're ready to uh, go. Yeah, it's Let so me some it's hookers. Yeah, that movie's that movie is so funny. It's sort of like it's like. Yeah, it, uh, that's a great. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Um, first, I want to kind of th- throw it to Blake. So, Blake, what does Norm Mac- McDonald mean to you? Like, the influence on you as a comedian? What what does what does Norm mean to you? He literally, I think it's the first time. Okay, so in 2010, I believe he released Norm doing stand up, and I remember watching. It's what got me back in, just because I used to be obsessed with stand up as a kid. And then when I was in college, I was like, I drifted out of it. And then that special was like, oh, I love, I absolutely love this. That whole like missing woman. It's like nine minutes long. But I mean, that bit is like probably my favorite bit of all time, um, stand-up wise. But I remember I made, they were doing, Comedy Central was doing the roasts. And I made them watch because I heard Norm was going to be on Bob Saget. And I made all my friends sit and we were all uh, watching it at my house. And I remember uh, being the only one laughing when Norm was on stage uh, doing those old joke book jokes. Uh, (laughs) And nobody got the bit like, and I just remember I was crying, laughing. And I was like, oh, maybe, (laughs) maybe this is just for comics. Maybe I should be a comedian 
like that was like oh and then also i mean i grew up watching him on uh update i remember him getting kicked off of update he's the greatest talk show guest of all time oh yeah um jesus christ i mean all of his i mean i was obsessed with conan so i remember watching him (laughs) eviscerate carrot top on (laughs) uh, on conan that was like the first big thing i remember like of him like oh my god this guy is just the funniest person uh in the world what did he do to what did he do to carrot top so it was he had this girl on from uh 90210 and she was she was also going to be in um chairman of the board that was carrot top's Mm -hmm. big first movie and he kept just going off like interrupting their interview and just kept hammering how much carrot top sucks and at the end they find out she's like it's called chairman of the board and conan goes do something with that you creep he goes, I bet it's spelled B-O-R-A-D or B-O-R-E-D. Right. And Tony gets up, he's like dying. It's the funniest fucking thing. It's so good. He's just so good. Yeah, he probably Norm, I mean, not that that movie was gonna do good, but Norm probably single-handedly just <laughs> torpedoed. Sunk it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and he's he is, as you're watching it, his the stand-up is incredible. Um, weekend updates great. Dirty works great, but it, to me, it's without question he is the greatest talk show guest of all time. Like, there's it's not crazy. really anybody even close. Yeah, I mean the moth joke, uh, the stuff about his uh, his how his wife's a battle axe. I mean, he would just go <laughs> on and do bits and then just destroy. I mean, when he got fired from SNL and went on Letterman, like, and talked about it. That was great. great. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a him him and Spade on uh, Dennis Miller's show from like HBO or whatever, and he just kept calling David Spade gay in different ways. It was so <laughs> fucking funny. He's <laughs> just so good. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those um, when we get there, because there is a moment where he sort of that that whole talk show thing. It was always building, and then it's, at some point, like that was almost his primary inter- like interface with the public was these talk show yeah. appearances and it, it stopped being about him promoting anything and it was just like no you got to get norman every so often was... right to keep things fresh <laughs> on the battle x one he goes he was supposed to promote his fucking memoir right it's not right, a memoir. right and yeah. he goes and he's opening it and he goes mm, that's rich and then closes the book <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> oh all right so let's let's get it let's start telling this this is the guy we're talking about and i'm glad we can have some good laughs about it because like i said i got a little bummed sort of watching some of the end stuff and you're like oh man you know give me one more special give me a few more years but nonetheless so norm uh norman gene mcdonald born october 17th 1959 uh, in quebec city quebec um he's raised there until his family moves to ottawa a few years later uh now i want to stress something else normally i've got like a big fat biography or something here to refer to you know here there isn't that and norm wasn't necessarily evasive but he was a very private person in a lot of ways and when he did talk his primary goal was to make people laugh so it didn't to him it doesn't matter it didn't matter what was true. That's not what he was ever there for. In fact, in his last actual stand-up thing, right before the COVID lockdowns, he 
just offhandedly lies about his age and says he's seven years older than he actually is for no reason. There's not a it's not a bit. It's not a gag or anything. You're just like, wait, he's not that old. Like, that doesn't. What? Yeah. So so it's it's almost everything we're going to say about his life. There's a little imagine there being a little asterisk next to it because it's probably it's probably true. And I, I'm doing my best to tell you what I, I think I can verify. But there's a lot there's still some mystery in in here which again is interesting because this is our most recent guy we've covered and it's sort of like huh you feel like you'd be had some of the stuff more nailed down than this but we just don't uh maybe somebody yeah. is working on the big biography of norm mcdonald i kind of hope so um okay so both of his parents are teachers uh norm would refer to being dirt poor a dirt poor farmer but I don't think that's actually true. No, it's not um, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, I, what what is true apparently is his dad was a World War II combat veteran, was part of the Canadian Army that liberated the Netherlands, uh, and uh, I think that both of his parents taught at this uh, Valcartier uh, base. So it was an they taught on an army base in Quebec City, at least when um, Norm is young. Um, Maybe they might have had a small farm or something like that. It's not totally clear. He did have two brothers. One is Neil McDonald, who's a little bit older, who's actually a well-known Canadian broadcast journalist. He'd be like the Peter Jennings or something of Canada. Um, and uh, he's right even right now, apparently, is a senior correspondent on a Canadian's like primetime news show on CBC. Um, he's got a younger brother, Leslie. Couldn't really find anything out about, out about Leslie. So I want to break like norm's sort of pre-comedy life into these sort of three parts okay so one's his youth in quebec city don't know a ton about it in his memoir he says his memoir which is not a memoir it's called based on a true story it's not yeah, a memoir it's, it's, it's all in it's all in french right, this part. <laughs> right, right, right. no in his memoir there's a part where he's like he befriends this neighbor this old this friendly old neighbor bachelor and then the guy rapes him in a shed and then he wakes up like five years later and like he doesn't remember his childhood at all. That's 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 what the memoir says is going on in his childhood. <laughs> so uh, I don't think that actually happened. Um, now, Norm would later on say that his dad was like this very old man when when he gave when when they when uh, Norm was born. But as far as I can tell, he was like in his early 40s. So it's not like he was, you know. A senior citizen or something when he so i'm not <laughs> sure where norm got this from um but nonetheless i think they kind of were in part of a, a sort of a smaller community within quebec city whatever the case norm always talks about the fact that the only people that were ever really around when he was a kid were old men right and and this is partially why either he's using this to sort of justify this thing but it seems like this is partially why later on he kind of embodies this old-timey storyteller mode a lot of the time right old jokes an old way of speaking you know old catchphrases and stuff like that i think part of that might come from this time sharing jokes with these old men um he uh you know, and he also whenever he talks about who his favorite sort of celebrities are, actors or comedians, they're always like two generations before him. They're always like Bob Hope or Dean Martin. You know, they're always like he's always sort of casting back to like before he was born often when they were in their prime. Yeah. A fun thing to do, especially around the holidays, is to give yourself a few days, however long you can you can manage it and only watch the old black and white from the 
whatever as early as you can get watch that stuff for a few days and it is yeah. like it's like tripping you right. because yeah. the reality is so different and you can well, kind of almost right the pace yeah. and they'll come out drunk and that's the entire bit is they've had too much egg <laughs> the entire whole special is about that it's it's a different time yeah it's kind of enjoyable yeah, yeah. for sure yeah i think sure. the latest comic that he loved was probably rodney dangerfield i would say yeah, yeah. Like, that was probably the like last one that he talked about that was like somewhat relevant <laughs> yeah yeah and rodney dangerfield even had like a even seemed like he was from a previous era in a way yeah. the, the way the style of it and the gags of it and the, there is a little bit of a please take my wife kind of thing to rodney dangerfield yeah for sure right? but it was like he took that and then was like making it extremely dark sometimes i mean he was like talking about like killing himself and stuff it's like right Jesus yeah <laughs> yeah intense guy oh my god um so there's a story so one place i i, I pretty much just got all this biographical stuff from just listening to everything I could. Right. And a lot of, there's a lot of people who knew him who gave interviews since he passed and you kind of can get some stuff there, but one good source was this episode. He did the Mark Marin podcast. What the fuck? Um, Norm seemed to be pretty forthcoming. And he tells this story when he was a child. I'm going to assume it's true. Cause it's, it's not really that funny. So I kind of think it's true. So uh, it, maybe it's not, but it felt it didn't feel all that funny and it felt kind of meaningful. He tells a story about how his dad sent him, uh, told him to take this blind man shopping, right? No, it actually is kind of funny. Now I'm saying, it. but anyway, <laughs> he's supposed to go. He's supposed to walk with this old man to the store, right? And you know, he's a kid. He's like eight or ten or something like that. And Norm's taking this guy. He's holding this old man, this man's hand, while they walk to the store. And um, the old man starts asking him to describe everything, like the cars and the street and you know plants and in the store, what's on the shelves. Just asking Norm to describe everything. And Norm talks about this like he had to sort of like pay attention in a way that he never really had to before, right? In order to to describe this, this is just stuff he's normally walking right by. And at some point in this, he has this moment where he starts breaking up laughing, and he realizes that everything is funny like every aspect of being alive if you look at it right is hilarious and he talks about this in relation to sometimes later in his life he would get into like a laughing fit that would get like he'd have to like calm himself down he'd have to like find a way to like relax because he came across something that was so funny that he he felt he could never it would like work its way up into a panic attack almost well this reminds me of something I can't remember who said this or if anybody did, but it's like, it reminds me of what, what Blake, you talked about at the beginning here, like to be a great comedian, you you have to be able to laugh. You have to kind yeah. of love to laugh. Don't you? In most yeah, cases. I think so. I, yeah. think so. I mean, uh, that's like, it's, you know, even this is just a personal example, but I, like, I look at comics that I, um, that I do not think are funny and I watch them like, in the room like at a show and they're not laughing and they're not paying attention and they're not uh enjoying what comedy is or can be and it's kind of crazy like it's like oh i see the difference in between who i think is good and bad and i think you if you to be a good comedian you have to laugh like you have yeah. to like see 
how things are funny and see why things are funny. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why would jokes even occur? Why I feel like so a joke. It has to occur to you that something is a joke, right? And that's your sense of right. humor. It's like a how you pick right. what you're going to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he clearly had it. I mean, later on, he has these interviews and we're going to talk about he gets what I think a lot of people would call sort of eccentric in his last, say, decade or two. Um, uh, not in a Howard Hughes or something kind of a way, but he gets yeah. he, he gets, you know, you've got you'll put him on a panel with like some other kind of celebrities. And clearly he's the odd duck. He's the guy that does not fit in with this group. And this happens a bunch. But like he will talk about somebody will ask him. It was like, you know, are you happy? He says, well, I laugh a lot. He says, well, are you happy? He's like, I mean, I'm if I'm laughing, I'm happy. So I must be happy. Right. And it's like he doesn't. This, he, it's almost like something being funny, laughing at something. That's an emotional state that's beyond happiness somehow. You know, very kind of an interesting perspective on it. Yeah, it's like you. It's a, it's a, it's almost euphoric. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like where you're saying where you're getting where you're laughing so hard that you are almost in a state of panic like that right. is. Uh, that is, I guess, it's close to as getting high as you can without drugs, essentially. Yeah, yeah, you, for you, sure. you also can't fake it. And, like, if somebody tries to fake a laugh, it can be very creepy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. man. It's, yeah. You, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's so unfortunate, though, with people with crazy laughs, because it's like... <laughs> Man, it's like they're not they're not faking it. And right. they just have the worst laugh, and that oh, no. sucks. For no, it makes everybody a laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man, you're gonna have by the time you know as you progress in your career, you're gonna have like PTSD from all the different kinds of laughs yeah. that you're gonna. Yeah. Hear. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that makes me think of Joker. That's one of the great things right. about yes. that laugh yeah. that he has is so. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Norm, okay, so the thing about Norm as a child, he says that he was not a class clown at all, that he was actually almost pathologically shy as a, as a kid. Like he's the kind of kid who could not ask for help at a store, would not speak in class. He was, but he also describes himself as like, um, if a class, the class clown made a joke, he would be the guy that after class was talking to his friends and explaining to him why that wasn't funny. Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, this guy's a, you know, you're in like fourth this, grade. Like, this guy's a, yeah, this guy's a yeah. <laughs> farting. What is that? Yeah, children. Right, right. It's like, yeah, we're joke. We are children. Right. right. <laughs> Born comedian. He's ready. Yeah, for, He's yeah, ready to be sure. standing in the back of the store. His arms right. crossed. Right. 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 Oh, this guy. <laughs> so funny. I, so, yeah. You mute, got muted there. For I should have got that special. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So the McDonald family moves to Ottawa. Um, Norm attends, I think you say it, Gloucester High, but it's, you know, Gloucester, Gloucester High in the Beacon Hill area. It's actually fairly decent. This is where him growing up dirt poor. I don't think I don't. I don't know what their financial situation was exactly, but I don't think they were quite dirt poor. It turns out that he actually grew up like two blocks away from where Tom Green grew up. And so though Tom Green is younger, later on, Norm MacDonald and Tom Green would strike up this interesting friendship. He would come on Tom Green's show 
um, which was a very a bunch of forerunner to like what we're doing. Um, back in like 2004, he had like a video <laughs> podcast in his basement, and um, Norm would come on there, and they would just talk about Ottawa, the old days in Ottawa. It was really, really pretty interesting. Even though Tom Green's younger, they knew the same places and stuff like that, right? So some of the same people and that sort of thing. Really, really pretty interesting. He, um, he, uh, uh, he graduates. He, so he sort of gets in great, he, he sort of gets introduced to comedy, but mostly by his dad. He's watching Bob Hope on TV. He's watching Rich Little, uh, who is this Canadian uh, impressionist, who's actually an amazing impressionist and can do an impression of anybody. Um, and saw David Letterman uh, perform stand up live when he was a kid, when he was like 10 or 12. Um, this would actually come up later. We'll, we will get to it when we talk about his runs on David Letterman. Um, there's now, here's the other thing is, Norm Macdonald is one of his things, one of his moves, one of his styles is to play the dumb guy, right? It's kind of where he gets a lot of his humor is sort of like that sort of like innocent, doesn't know what he's talking about, but makes a, you know, makes, has an insight sort of thing. What, what's his line? Uh, the more I read about this Hitler fella. It's <laughs> yeah. a real jerk. Yeah. Albert Fish. I'm just going to yeah. come out and say it. He's a real <laughs> jerk. <laughs> yeah. Really funny. Yeah. It's good stuff. Now. So he plays that and he will talk about how he doesn't he, he'll he'll say sometimes he's oh he's got an eighth grade education, right? Stuff like that. He graduated either high school, either at 16 or possibly at 14 years old. Um, and went went right to college. He was gonna study mathematics at um Carleton University, which is a kind of a small, small private university in Canada. Um, didn't didn't stick around there, goes to Algonquin College to study uh, uh journalism slash broadcasting for a while also doesn't graduate out of there so by the time he hits 18 or so he's already been to two colleges and graduated high school um so so smart smart dude uh, i don't think anybody if you pay attention to him for more than a joke or two i think it's pretty clear he's a smart guy but it's funny that he plays off as oh you know dirt poor farmer with an eighth grade education from the boonies you know meanwhile he's sort of this like possible child prodigy ish kind of figure right um he's uh uh now he after he does this after he graduates from this uh after he decides he's not going to continue the college thing he does go on he does sort of like i don't know how to describe it exactly he he kind of fades out into like manual labor and very like very like blue collar kind of jobs he talks about um taking a bus out to Vancouver, other side of the country, excuse me, and getting a, a getting with a temp service that would just like assign you random, random jobs. So he like worked on a garbage truck for a few days. He worked in lumber camps. He was apparently a choke, what's called a choker setter for a while. And I was, I didn't know what this was. So I looked it up just so just out of interest, thinking about Norm Macdonald doing this as like an 18 or 19 year old man. <laughs> He's a, a a choke setter or a choker setter is a logger who attaches cables to logs for retrieval by skitters or skylines. The process involves the choker setter wrapping a special cable around a log and then moving clear so the yarding engineer can pull the log to a central area. In clear cutting, fallers will typically cut down all the trees and limb and buck them into logs before the choke setters and others arrive to remove the logs. So he's a lumberjack. He's a lumberjack. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I love that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's great. We right? we we go to the yeah. Paul Bunyan Play Center over here in the yeah. mall. Uh, you know, my son loves, loves uh, Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah. Now, so he was. I mean, in this time, you know, whatever we're gonna we're painting this picture of him. He's a think about. It, he's a lumberjack. He liked to booze when he was a young man. He liked to get in fights when he was a young man. Right, which. If you see if you see him in the 80s doing stand up, he doesn't strike you as a as a hard drinking, hard fighting lumberjack <laughs> telling these I sort think, of nasally jokes about an answering machine, you know. Right, yeah. right. I think he I think he got all that shit out of his system pre getting into comedy. So it yeah. was just like he did all this shit and then it was like, oh, okay, well, I did that. I don't need to do it again. Like Right, right, right. And he he actually he kind of comes to comedy a little bit on the late end in terms of, you know, you hear stories about like Dave Chappelle started at 16 or whatever. Right. Norm Macdonald starts at 25. It's, he's 25 years old when he first goes up on stage and he goes up. And partially, I think this is due to the fact that he's in Canada. He's in Ottawa. There's not really a lot of stand up comedy around. And there's certainly not a lot of places to do stand up comedy. Right. And there's also not a, this pipeline that was in the United States of. All right. Well, you can go to, you know, if you live in a major city, you can do some s- sets you're starting to get into the sitcom era, right? There's like a there's like a career. Norm talks about it like we didn't even really know what we were doing up there, you know. Um yeah. and the place he starts is at this place called Yuck Yucks in Ottawa. And Yuck Yucks would become is still around. It would become there I think there's nine of them in Canada started by this guy Mark Breslin who's really an he's still around too. He's an amazing guy. I mean, so really it's Yuck 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 yeah okay yeah nine yucks yucks. that's a lot of yucks yeah 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 (laughs) but but it's pretty cool right so mark breslin no comedy clubs in ottawa he starts this thing in the basement of the community center 10 years later he's got he's got multiple franchises of them and uh norm mcdonald's there pretty early right he's there what would it be uh 80 84 i think when he goes on the first time right so um now he loved comedy, obviously growing up and wanted to do it. And yet he had and would continue apparently throughout his career to have a fair amount of performance anxiety. So after the first time he went on, I don't know. No, I, I couldn't find anywhere whether he did well, whether he bombed, whatever. But after he did it the first time, he basically said he wasn't going to do it anymore. And the manager of the club had to like convince him to come back on stage. I right? had to talk him back into it. And this would over time, I think he probably settled into it a little bit, obviously, but he would have like anxiety or panic attacks before he w- he went on stage. He would have a really hard time talking himself into it. Yeah, me too. Is I, that right? I never goes away, dude. It's yeah. like I thought eventually it would go away. I mean, I started late, too. I started at 24. I was like 24, almost 25. And, mm. and uh, yeah, that's the thing that always stopped me was the performance of it. It's it's still because you care about it. You don't want right. to fucking. I mean, yeah, it just never gets better. Yeah. <laughs> it never, yeah, it never gets easier. Inter- it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, and I can see that. But it's interesting to pair that with because Norm Macdonald has this reputation for just not giving a fuck and not and not in that way. is like he doesn't care about it's one thing this is easy for me to say because I don't do what you guys do, but like, it's one thing to like, not give a fuck about saying something offensive or offending people. Norm didn't seem to care about bombing. Like, yeah, in a way, like he would, he was willing to bomb. 
you know? He def- I think um, it's hard to explain, but right when you get on stage, all of it goes away, and then you don't care for the next 45 minutes to an hour. But then you extremely care right when you get off stage. So, yeah, <laughs> probably in the moment where he's bombing, it doesn't really matter. But you get off stage and your feelings are like the most hurt they've ever been. <laughs> right, so right. I think that that was I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. how That's that is just how it is for me. But, yeah. yeah, when you get on stage, of course, you don't give a shit. You're like, all right, well, this, right. Is, this has happened before. But yeah, yeah, you probably have to be in that space to perform well. I would, yeah, I would think. absolutely. Right? Other, too, otherwise, you're yeah. gonna get in your head. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Apparently, one thing that he would do, maybe not right off the bat, but in these yuck yuck days, yuck yucks days, he would, um, if the set went well, he would just kind of disappear. He'd go to the green room or he'd leave or whatever. And if it <laughs> if it went really poorly, he would stand out and like meet and greet people. <laughs> Just to like shake their hand and be, and be like, yeah. Ashley, you liked it. You liked the show. Yeah, huh? exactly. oh, thanks so... for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. It's the greatest band of all time. It's so good, dude. That's so good. Because it's so, like, you don't know how hard it is. Like, to go out. I mean, when you do jokes that are even like, I don't know, where you could piss people off to go out and look them in the eyes again and be like, have a great night. It's right. like that's so. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that detail, man. Um, yeah. So, so okay. So, 1985, he basically starts. 1986, like six months later, they he they put him in the Just for Laughs Comedy Fest- Festival in Montreal, right? Because and Norm describes this as like there's only like four Canadian stand ups. They had to put me in because there's barely any of us, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, nearly a hockey team, right? Nearly, yeah, nearly yeah. a line in hockey. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and he apparently does really well. I mean, he gets written up in like the the Montreal newspaper as like the is the country's next hot you know next hot comic up and coming kind of guy. And also, yeah, but that's like that's like being a, like I was I was a chess champion in North Dakota. It's not right. you know I'm sure there have been a lot of next hot. Yeah, then you meet oh the yeah that's because that's because yeah. It's yeah, because you beat bro. you beat you beat Doug. So right, yeah, there's <laughs> one other guy that played chess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but nonetheless, I mean, this was this was definitely a step forward from him, and he's starting to meet other comics too. So he tells this great story about meeting Sinbad, and how. <laughs> norm talks about he would have like he would have a very he would have a memorized bit he would have a memorized set and sinbad he and sinbad had gone shopping for socks or something sinbad needed socks right and i'm not going to do this try to do this whole story because it's so funny when norm tells it but apparently sinbad goes to the store um has some issue with the the people working there and then that night his set is about going sock shopping like he just says what happened to him earlier in the day and Norma's like I didn't even really realize you could do that like it, it kind of like started this is where it started to kind of break down in his mind the sort of boundaries he put around what his stand-up could be right it's like oh yeah you could just riff if you're confident enough and you actually have something funny to say like you can just get up there and riff um the next kind of thing that happens with this is Sam Kinison takes him out on tour um which two very different energies i would think i mean i've different seen energies this. which is great but same attitude mm, okay which yeah. is uh because norm is uh no matter he's just standing at the mic and delivering but he is still taking it to you 
However, yeah. like Sam is yelling at you. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but, <laughs> right. but yeah, I, I think that actually, it actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and apparently, I mean, Norm says has nothing but praise for Sam Kinison and Sam wanted to take him out on tour. So, you know, he had to like him somewhat. Apparently, this was another sort of learning moment for Norm, too, because Sam at one point, again, this is early. Norm, Norm's a year in, two years in. Sam goes to Norm. He says, hey, man, you got really good jokes, but do you really give a shit about dogs? Like Norm had this like five minute dog bit bit about dogs. Norm is just like pitbull. Pit yeah, yeah. And Norm and Norm is just like, no, nah, I don't, I don't give a shit about. I don't really care about dogs. And Sam, Sam basically was telling him like, listen, just talk about what you're interested in and make that funny. Like instead of trying to just, you know, whatever's funny or you what you think the audience will think is funny. Find think about what you're interested in and you know and and drill down on that. Talk have jokes about that. And so that was also another kind of eye-opening moment for for Norm. Um, because clearly later on in his career, a lot of his subject matter is stuff that is, I mean, it's a lot about like death and <laughs> and like you were saying, your favorite bit is basically this very weird kind of almost deadpan at times thing about what you would do if you killed a woman and buried her basically right <laughs> yeah well it's about how you know, like at first it's about how you could become obsessed with these women that go missing on tv and right. you have all these you know these you, you listen to because at first you don't give a shit because you don't know this right. lady but then they right. make you give a shit because they're like oh we're talking to jennifer's best friend or whatever yeah uh and then it goes and then he goes into the mind of a killer and the shallow graves and all that right. shit it's i mean it's so good it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so all right. And then there's another big, the next big thing, because eventually he does, he comes to America, right? He's going to break onto the American scene. Not quite there yet, but sort of his first thing in America that he does is he goes on Star Search, which um, is, is <laughs> wow. It's, it's a pretty funny, like, I'll tell you the one joke that in it that's, that's pretty funny is like, he's talking about how his dad caught him smoking and he, he, he was a, he was almost a lifelong smoker. He may have quit towards the end, but he smoked starting at 12. He said it look he said he started doing it because he wanted to look cool. And the problem was he did look cool when he started smoking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh uh so anyway, he's got this story about his dad finding him smoking, smoking um cigarettes. And you know, the old old trope is like if your parents found you smoking cigarettes, they'd make you smoke a whole pack or whatever. Well, his thing is his dad made him smoke a whole cigar. And then he gives it a beat and he goes, so that's when I got into smoking cigars real heavy. (laughs) This is funny. And then he's got a whole bit about the dating game, um, how ridiculous the dating game is and how it's all full of innuendo. And like, you know, if I were a popsicle, you know, what would you do to me? You know, and he just kind of talks through it. And it's pretty funny. It's a little like risque for Star Search, I think. But like what's funny is the people who are judging him are like um, Robin Leach. And some like fashion designer guy, like all the people in a soap opera actress. And you're like, none of these people I, I have laughed at anything. And, la- you know, <laughs> why are they well, judging? Why are they judging him? Right. It's like AGT. It's like yeah. it's the same thing now. It's like, you it's know, a, it's fucking uh, yeah, yeah. whoever, like scary spice and fucking, you know, it's like, who? Why? Why are you right. here? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you even find? Like, 
do you like stand up at all? Have you watched? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so he ends up losing. He doesn't do all that well. And later on, when he's like reference referencing back to it, and there's a hilarious bit in this book, the uh, based on a true story about this, where he's clearly exaggerating it. But he he loses to um, uh, a guy that that's he's a Nigerian guy who goes by Bushman and plays up how like how much of a like a you know a barefoot guy from the bush that sure, he is, right? sure. that's the joke <laughs> okay. and that's who wins that's who wins the time that norm is on star search right mm. um where yeah. is he now uh, right i didn't <laughs> look this up i was like what happened to him and he's still out there and he's like still talking smack about norm mcdonald as of like a few years <laughs> ago. they still have beef oh no yeah. okay well because norm because norm basically <laughs> says how bad how unfunny he is right oh and wow Bushman was and I, you know norm is otherwise it's completely forgotten about him um mm. that's rent it, free uh, right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um so and let's see, in 1988, he actually gets married. Norm MacDonald gets married to this woman, Connie, I might be pronouncing this wrong, Connie Valancourt, uh, though some sources say her last name was Wayangu. So I don't know even what her name exactly was. I it's think a it's a long road between those two. It's yeah, two very different names. <laughs> yeah, it's two very, very different <laughs> names. So I kind of don't believe the second one, but I, I saw it somewhere. Um, it sounds like it sounds like Bushman's wife. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why he's so angry. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> so she's like, she, there. You can't even really find pictures of her. Like, she's not really in the public eye. She certainly wasn't a public figure of any kind. Um, they would get separated in 1999. Uh, they. I can't really say much about her. I mean, she was a um, she apparently is now like a family therapist in the Los Angeles area, whatever the case. Um, 1992, he has a son named Dylan, uh, named after Dylan Thomas. Apparently, I thought it was going to be a Bob Dylan thing named after Dylan Thomas, because and this is this is a little bit of insight into Norm and his family uh, named after Dylan, Dylan Thomas, because his father would Norm's father would read him Dylan Thomas's a child's Christmas in Wales every year at the Christmas time. So it was just kind of like a nice little story. Um, there is funny. Norm has funny jokes about his son, though, from time to time. It's clear that he very much loved his son and all of this, but he would definitely use it for humor. So they're, they're like whenever they were whenever he was asked publicly how old his son would was, he'd be like, Know, he's like 10 or 15 or something. Such an easy dad joke to make if you deliver it. <laughs> yeah. he, always oh. he always would. No, which one? one? Who now? Yeah. What? Which one? Yeah. 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 So and it changes throughout. It's always like five years close to correct. He's like, hey, he's like five or eight or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, he's he's asked uh, what his name, what the boy's name is. I think Letterman asks him this. And, and, Norm says, um, his, his name's Dagwood after the great literary figure Dagwood Bumstead. And it's just like stupid <laughs> <laughs> uh. jokes. Um, all right. So after Star Search, he's still playing, he's still playing the American clubs. He does do um, I think he gets on, I think he gets on Letterman around this time. He's trying to get on Johnny Carson. I think he gets around in on David Letterman in like 1989 or maybe 1990, somewhere around there. 
And there's a story from, I think it's 1990. There's a story that Mark Marin tells again. Mark Marin, um, Norm comes to the United States. He's going to perform. Uh, he performs on Letterman. He's friends with Carolyn Rea, who's another people our age. We might remember she was on sitcoms and stuff. She might still be around to some degree, but she was she Canadian. Is. She's yeah. very funny. Yeah, she's I've seen stuff of hers. She's very funny. Um, and she's another Canadian. So when Norm came to America, he didn't know any American comics, you know, Canadians helping each other out. Um, he goes on Letterman. Mark Marin tells the story. He was also hanging out with Carolyn and they go to Norm's hotel room to watch the episode of Letterman. And Norm is just on the hotel bed laying face down while there everybody else that's hanging out <laughs> is watching is watching his performance. Right. Just like. Like not going to watch this at all. And that was his American television debut. Um, and it, he did well, you know, it was funny. And Letterman loved him. Letterman always loved him from then on. Like, you know, that was always sort of a magical connection was these two. Um, his big career, his next sort of career break, breaking more into show business was Roseanne invited Norm to come out and write for the Roseanne show. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so I don't know about you guys, but we, we like, when I was a kid, Roseanne was a staple. Like we 100%. watched Roseanne. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty interesting that Norm came out and, and, and wrote on it. Um, now he wasn't the head writer or anything. He's a young guy. And I actually was curious. I was curious, like, well, what ones, what did he actually, what episodes did he actually contribute to? And I wanted to see if I could find a Norm joke in Roseanne. And I think I might've found one. Oh, wow. The, the, the deep dive. This is yeah. why you support the pod. Who yeah. else is <laughs> going back over old episodes Dude. of Roseanne with a fine tooth comb for a Norm McDonald joke, Brad Kelly. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, okay. So this is an episode. There's two episodes that he's got writing credits on. Um, this first one is about DJ folks who don't remember. If folks don't know Roseanne, it, it was kind of ground. I don't know if it was groundbreaking, but for me, growing up very working in you know, like a working class situation, it was very, very cool to see a sitcom that was it wasn't like sophisticated 30 somethings. And it wasn't like a um, it wasn't like a cookie cutter family where everybody was was like everybody was on the up and up and everybody was doing the right thing is a very working Roseanne is a very working class family. They're very funny. They're very crass. You know, the, the heart of the show is that they all really cared about each other, of course, but like Dan drank too much and every once in a while there's a fist fight and, and the, these sorts of things. Right now, DJ. So this episode I'm going to talk about DJ is the youngest son of Roseanne. He's starting to play hockey. And here's where I think we've got a norm bit. Roseanne says to Dan, who's played by John Goodman, well, Dan, I guess you uh, you were just so proud of your son ramming and slamming into people out there that you just couldn't wait to celebrate by giving him his very first sip of beer. DJ just had his first hockey game. Dan, had to. The hooker made him nervous. Jackie. <laughs> Jackie yeah, says, that's Norm. Yeah, that's <laughs> got to exactly. be Norm. He wanted to, say, he wanted to say horror, probably. Yeah, he wanted to say uh, crack horror, honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Jackie says, oh, come on, Roseanne. You gave me my first sip of beer. Roseanne says, that was different. I was drunk. So I think that's a I think that's some norm norm humor getting in there, right? Um, <laughs> uh, here's another one. This is from a different episode. Uh, Dan uh, has lost his job and he has to go in for a job interview. And I think this is a norm bit too. So this is Dan. He's retelling Roseanne at the end of the day how this job interview went. I can't do interviews. I get too nervous. The guy asked me if I had any hobbies. I panicked and said drinking. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, that's, a, that's probably yeah. a norm joke, right? Yeah, that sounds like um, um Okay, so he's at Roseanne for like two seasons and then Saturday Night Live calls. Um, he's still contractually ob- obligated to work on the Roseanne show, but Roseanne gives him the blessing, says, you know, this is your big break because probably you'll end up, you might end up on screen. You're not, you know, there's not, you know, there's not really a place for you and Roseanne to be on the, te- on the television show. They did bring Norm back when they re- did Roseanne later, like in 2018 or whatever, they brought Norm back to consult on, on stories. So that oh, relationship wow. was always, oh, cool. was always good. Um, now Norm tells funny, he has funny descriptions for what happened in this whole hiring process. And I don't know what if it's true. The one thing is he he claims he moved his entire life to New York. And then when he got there, he found out that he had an audition. Now, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true or not. In the book, based on a true story, he says that he got in with a meeting with Lauren Michaels to do this audition. And Lauren Michaels asked him to do an impression or something. And Norm MacDonald, who in the book, again, not true, but based on a true story, Norm is a morphine addict. And he gets the job at SNL by giving Lauren Michaels a packet of morphine. <laughs> That's how he gets the gig. I'm sorry. I like that laugh. story. I like that story better. It's so funny. Yeah, he describes Lauren Michaels. He says, luckily, Lauren Michaels was a hopeless morphine addict. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. As if Lauren Michaels couldn't get his own morphine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like well into the 90s now he's made every major career in comedy for a decade (laughs) but i brought him some yeah Yeah, it's really good so um we got to talk about snl a little bit and this is i feel like a good opportunity because everybody knows saturday night live it's had its ups and downs I, you know, I haven't really seen much of it in the last decade. I'm sure they have funny sketches from time to time. Um, You know, I think everybody probably has a slightly different opinion about what the peak of Saturday Night Live was. But I think it's a reasonable candidate is right after Norm shows up. So um, he comes on, he gets the call for the uh, season ending in 1993 sorry for the season that starts in 1993 so fall of 1993 the season right before his is remains the highest ratings the snl has ever had right so this is in terms of ratings and viewership norm is hitting it right at its peak basically dana carvey left the year before right um which was if people have been watching people of our age dana carvey we all know who he is um for sure uh Chris Rock had been there the year before. Let's see. Um, um, Some cast members that were kind of promoted up to repertory parts were Tim Meadows and Adam Sandler and David Spade. They'd been there for a little bit, but just before him and they were now they were really starting to get their play. Um, And and then uh, also Jay Moore and Sarah Silverman uh, joined the same year as him. Uh, They were doing a thing. They were doing a thing where they were bringing in a lot of stand-ups, which they hadn't really done before. It had almost been exclusively comic actors before this, and they were they were going to try uh, stand-ups. What's funny about that is, like, and Norm talks about this too, is like none of us could act. Like <laughs> we got like we we were funny, like looking talking into a microphone. Yeah, you know, that that that's goes way beyond acting. 
mm-hmm. regular acting as well. It's yeah. live. You're mm-hmm. you're writing the the skits up until the you do them. I right. mean, it's 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 like a combination of acting and improv, and it's crazy. It's, oh yeah, the, yeah. the heat has Which, to be nuts. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of think, honestly, I mean, you know, Norm probably played it down. However, I stand up is all of that because I mean, mm-hmm. if you're performing, it's it is improv. You're riffing. I mean, yeah. there's situate. I mean, the situations you perform at are nightmares a lot of the time. So it's oh, like yeah. if you're not uh, in the room, if you're not present, uh, you're trying to remember what you wrote, uh, and you have to act out some things a lot. You know what I mean? Even if it's just a facial expression or a tonal thing. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I think Norm probably played it down a little bit, but I do think. Uh, he had the chops. I mean, his show was great. So yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah. He ended down. up, yeah, he ended up doing. He ended up doing just fine. He I mean, he would, he would always say that he can't act, and you know, uh, I, I mean, I guess from a certain perspective, he didn't maybe have the range of of. I don't know. Pick pick somebody, but he could certainly I mean, even, Mer- even Meryl Streep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even right. Sandler, like, it's like, yeah. yeah, he's an act. Like, he can act. Like, it's he like, can uh, he yeah. can he can do both. But right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. He was. I mean, he was always Norm as the ca- the right. character of himself. <laughs> right. Right. And the people that he could do impressions of were really just like tweaks on norm right so like bob dole like and and uh larry king you can sort of they're they're sort of offshoots yeah. of of norm's personality in a way anyway um yeah so oh another thing this is also the first season just kind of pinpointing us in time who else is on the show who else he's working with um norm's first season is phil hartman's last season on saturday night live uh rob schneider is around uh, Chris, you got Chris Farley at like the height of his Saturday Night Live powers, um, and Kevin Nealon is the guy who's actually doing Weekend Update when Norm shows up. Um, there's a uh, Norm's first bit uh, is in the sketch. He's in a irate caterer at Shan- in uh, Shannon Doherty's wedding video. It's not really much to it, uh, but Shannon Doherty was like sort of famous for being sort of like brash and fist fights all the time and yeah yeah so what uh, a fucking flimsy premise (laughs) right that was terrible it was pretty terrible (laughs) i I did watch it and i was like it's really not that funny but um he so then he's i think like the next week or something he's it comes on as a guest on kevin nealon's weekend update and it's probably this appearance that got them thinking that he should probably take over and i just want to read this bit from him because it's it's pretty funny. Um, you know, I've always been afraid of going to prison. This is him being interviewed on Weekend Update. I was thinking about it the other day, and I realized that what scares me most about going to prison isn't the loss of freedom or stigma or even separation from family. To me, the scariest thing about going to prison is the, you know, the anal rape. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that tracks. It sounds like a, that sounds like that Norm joke, right? Um, you know, for people who haven't seen it, he's got some classic Saturday Night Live stuff. Him doing Burt Reynolds on uh, Celebrity SNL is hilarious. Turd Ferguson. I don't even know that it's a good Burt Reynolds impersonation. It doesn't matter. It's no. it's its whole like Turd Ferguson is sort of the character. It's his whole own thing, and it's <laughs> freaking great. Um. 
like I said, Larry King and Bob Dole. Um, and, but mostly, mostly he's doing the weekend update. That's really his thing. And it's great because it's every week he's on camera. He's mostly writing these bits with uh, Jim Downey, a guy who never really appears on screen, but is another great comedy writer. Um, I didn't even know. I wasn't sure how to talk about this because there's some bits that I think are funny. And I was trying to like pick stuff that was like representative. One of my favorite ones, and I, I don't want to get into a mode where I'm trying to do Norm McDonald bits because I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm kind of just like he could make a them. word funny and he failed right. punchlines inside yeah. jokes. It, right. Uh... right. So he has this great one. This one is so funny to me. And I think it can do it without doing exactly the voice and it's still funny he has a pie chart that shows um major accidents uh uh it, it basically shows that like most minor car accidents are women and most major car accidents are men right and th he's like playing on the getting the booze and the hisses from people who you know think this is sexist or whatever and he says he says like you might notice that the pie the charts don't add up to a hundred that's because the math was done by a woman. And, <laughs> his, his, right? and then he says, he says, but that joke was also written by a woman. <laughs> right? Like, now, you, now, now, you now you don't know what to think. And then, right. he, and then he lets a beat go and he says, I'm just kidding. We don't hire women. <laughs> and it's yep. just like, D -d 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 yeah. Yep. Well, you um, can make a joke that wasn't even good, funny by just doing that. Like right. it's like it, like like that's that first joke is fine, but he was like, "Well, that's just the setup, right?" To right. these next two lines of I know exactly. I mean, it's just manipulation. It's manipulating yeah. the audience to be like, "I know how you're going to react, and this is what I'm going to say." Right, <laughs> right. No, it's like it's a it's like a four point. It's it's like a it's like, yeah. it's like a rolling punchline. It's like a flywheel generator of laughs, laughs where you're not just right. going to get one. You, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Great. I mean, yeah, you don't need mm -hmm. to break it down too much, but it's you can mm -hmm. see how he's positioning you, moving you from one position to the next, right? And and yeah, saying we, no, I'm just joking. We don't hire women by itself <laughs> isn't funny at all, really. Like, I'm not mm -hmm. even saying that and like being offended. It's just not. There's not. It's not funny. But like after those yeah. two or three things, it does actually land hilariously. Um, he he had we're going to talk a little bit about the big thing about weekend update which is the oj simpson stuff but i just want to hit a couple other things that he talked would talk about one actually as i listened back cracked me up was that he had this joke about bill clinton anytime bill clinton because bill clinton was president at this time right anytime bill clinton ran into like a conflict of some kind norm would joke that he jumped on a plane to england lit up a big fat joint and jumped on a, a joint and jumped on a plane to england <laughs> right? so every, time, every time bill clinton had a problem and then he lit up lit up a fat joint and jumped on a plane to england um <laughs> dude he uh th this is something i don't think people talk about enough and i think it was actually during snl it was maybe before he got fired but he did the White House Correspondence Dinner for Clinton. Yep. Oh. And that is one of the most amazing 20 minutes because he is bombing. And then he's destroyed. Like, he just powers through yeah. and just ends up crushing. It's so, I mean, yeah. so good. And it's the, I watched that again too. And it's one of the few times you see him on camera where he does actually seem to be nervous. I'm sure he's yes. been nervous, like, but hiding it. And in this one, you can tell, like, he does not come comfortable. These are yeah. the, these are the eyes wide shut people. So yeah. he's right. Yeah. He's right to be. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, exactly. He does have a great joke on that. Of uh, <laughs> he goes because uh, I guess Clinton had like uh, he broke his ankle or something, mm-hmm. you know. And he goes, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I just sort of realized this, but uh, you're you're handicapped and you're the president. I bet you have an amazing parking spot." that's right that's right right. now weekend update uh you know correspondence dinner is a little bit of controversy but but that was kind of okay because the point is to make they're all making fun of each other it's kind of like a roast sort of so that's cool you can kind of get out of there unscathed ultimately but weekend update he ended up in a bunch of controversy ultimately the oj simpson stuff but there's a couple other ones i want to hit so one of them is um, so while weekend up wh- during Norm's reign and weekend update, Marlon Brando, who's covered on the show, um, had this anti-Semitism controversy. Marlon Brando said some ridiculous thing about how the Jews control the media. And he yeah, had to say, it, say it again for YouTube. No, no. <laughs> hey, this is Marlon Brando says this. Ah, right? well, Marlon Brando said this. OK, yeah. yeah. And of course, yeah. go back and listen to our Marlon Brando episode. Marlon uh, was almost practically adopted by Jews in New York City. Yeah. No, it was, his career, so yeah. it's sort of probably it was, m- it, much ado about nothing. It, yeah. I think it I think it ultimately I think it ultimately was. Now, here is the joke, because because Marlon Brando, he went and met with some some leaders of the Jewish community and and, and sort of, you know, to, to, to talk with them and whatever. And um, this is this is, this is Norm's joke about this. After meeting with Jewish leaders and apologizing, they issued a press release stating that Marlon Brando is now free to work again. Uh, <laughs> nothing changes nothing changes yeah, that's the yeah. same joke that everybody's making now with kanye and everything yeah, I mean, it, it is it is that's why thing. i thought it was funny i was like man that's that's you know loop 30 loop plus loop. years ago yeah yep, or 30 ish yep. years ago at least um all right so here's another bit of controversy that he ended up with um uh so okay there was a story um I'll just read what this is the quote that this is what Norm said on Weekend Update. It's about this news story. And finally, in Fall City, Nebraska, John Lauder has been sentenced to death for attempting to kill three people in what prosecutors call a plot to silence a cross-dressing female who had accused him of rape. Now, this might strike some viewers as harsh, but I believe everyone involved in this story should die. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) so i'm just laughing at like it made me it's kind of made me tense just to read that um now what's hilarious what cracks me up about this is this next bit in the week and i just pasted the wikipedia in here because it cracks me up this is from wikipedia the comments were met with sharp criticism from trans and queer com- communities and organizations including the transsexual menace which apparently was like a group that called itself the transsexual menace. I just, wow. And I wanted to find somewhere I, that sounded like a thing that Norm would say. Yeah. Transsexual, it like... Right. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a one phrase Norm McDonald joke somehow, but I never found any place where he actually said it. So anyway, they're coming after it. He's, he was taking heat fairly early on in the weekend update stuff and, and, and that... not afraid of it. That is a hot seat to be uh, be in on SNL because yeah, as we mm. during that time, I mean, like that is everybody watched it, so mm. it was like you were going to watch Norm 
And he's especially after the first controversy, it's like, well, now what the fuck is he gonna say this week? Right. You know, it's like right. yeah. People were yeah, it's I mean yeah. it's like watching Chappelle now where you're like, Okay, what's he gonna do? Yeah, and they were like, what's what what is it gonna be this time, you know? Um where people are tuning in. I mean, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should give yeah. uh they should give Yay weekend update. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine. Oh, man. <laughs> he just, he just, he just keeps doing prop comedy. <laughs> and Carrot Top can get together. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to talk about the OJ stuff because this is the big, that's the big chunk. But I do want to point something else out here about the weekend update. Norm in later years would refer to a joke that they told on Weekend Update, which he said was the closest he ever got in an attempt to write what he referred to as the perfect joke. All right. Now his joke um, is basically where the punchline and the setup are the same thing. And I may not make exact sense right now, but here was the closest he says he ever got. And it was on weekend update. Um, and he's talking to Mark Marin in the Mark Marin podcast years later about this. Um, he says, and then we did one joke that was pretty close, not perfect. It was this. Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts are getting a divorce and people close to the couple say the reason is because he's Lyle Lovett and she's Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> and so to him, this is like the holy grail of a joke. It's somehow that it's no, it's not a joke. It's like it's the punchline and the setup are the same statement, right? That's that's what he yeah. said he was often looking for. It's like a like a tautological joke. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So so pretty interesting. I thought that was pretty interesting because it's 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 kind of a funny joke, but it's not the funniest thing he ever said by any means. Right. But it's uh, it's like there's no there's no work in it because it's just the the thing is the it's like yeah <laughs> the thing yeah. is the thing that yeah is, it's almost like you why. just it's almost like just pointing at something it's yeah just sort of right like, yeah, yep. yeah yeah where that's the that? yeah that, that's yeah. it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so now weekend update he gets pretty famous because blake like you're saying everybody is watching him i mean millions of people are watching him every week for however long and it and weekend update is on every episode of saturday night live right um, he gets recognized on the street, you know, he's getting recognized on the street and that sort of thing. Um, and he, this is where things kind of start to get a little bit weird, not weird. This is where something really comes into his life that wasn't a huge factor before. And this is gambling. All right. So he, it's difficult to track down sort of exactly where it began and where it ended, if it ever ended. And, you know, at what point, how, at what point he was how deep into it, but he would refer to him later on. And it wasn't a joke as a degenerate gambler. Um, he sought psychotherapy to get help with it. It probably factored into his divorce. I mean, I'm just speculating, but it wouldn't mm. surprise me at all. Um, now, he would talk about how the best thing to bet on was baseball. He said if you really paid attention and really studied and really tried, you could actually successfully and reliably handicap baseball, supposedly. Now, this sounds like something a lot of gamblers would say. Oh, I figured out the exact system, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, thank God he didn't live long enough to get into crypto. Right. That's all I'm yeah, going to say. Real. Jesus <laughs> Christ. You imagine Norm making yeah, calls yeah. on dog coins. Right. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, 
Some other betting tips from Norm. He said the worst thing to bet on is football because, quote, the ball ain't round. Right. So <laughs> I just think that's kind of funny. And you give it in this kind of old timey voice. Right. <laughs> um, he was apparently a he was apparently a quite a good card player. Uh, he would eventually this is much later, 2007 or something. He would host a season of World Series of Poker on TV. And at one point he won. He competed in like one of these televised poker tournaments and get, ended up out of 800 and some odd people ended up in the top hundred or top 50 and won like twenty thousand dollars twenty thousand some dollars so he was pretty good at poker um bet mostly on sports though um he apparently and this is after weekend update starts he apparently loses all of his money on three different occasions what yeah yeah Artie lang talks about this a lot because he was also part of it and they would do like these uh thing called lightning bets which already says is like heroin for a fucking gambling addict because like eventually like you bet the you bet the line but then uh once you break that like every point scored is like a thousand dollars so it's like you're just over and over so every three pointer you're like oh my god that's three thousand dollars every two points it's like crazy Mm-hmm. uh yeah so it's a uh yeah <laughs> i guess like you know at one point like he he won like fifty thousand dollars one night this is like a folklore nobody's sure if it's true or not mm-hmm. and then he went and threw it into the atlantic ocean because he's like i'm just gonna gamble it away yep yeah it was atlantic city yeah he said he says it he says this happened and he does not seem to be joking it's like yep he just wow. went through a 50 or he said sixty thousand dollars yeah something around there yep. Yep. Atlantic City is a coalescence of despair. <laughs> that <laughs> terrible things. Yeah. Yeah. There is something dark in Atlantic City. Stay yeah. away. Get out yeah. before <laughs> set. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Here's 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 something else. So apparently, the most he ever lost at once was four hundred thousand dollars, and this was on a football game. The Atlanta Falcons beat the Denver Broncos. I did some research. I think that was actually Super Bowl, the Super Bowl in 1999. Um, he apparently in, he said that was basically all the money he had left. Now we're going to, we're not quite done talking about SNL, but 1999, he's not on Saturday night live anymore. Right. So this is like, he basically break completely goes dead broke after Saturday night live. Um, there's another interesting thing. And this is later. This is, uh, talking about gambling. McDonald said in a 2018 interview that prior to the ruling United States versus Scheinberg, which was in 2011, he would play up to 20 online limited uh online limit holdem games at once. Ooh. Since they went offline it kind of saved my life because I was just grinding out and couldn't sleep. Right? So Whoa. you know, you see he literally I mean they paid this rule that made online poker illegal and this is like, you know, by now He's, we're now look at us uh yeah what do you thing. do you have any insight or ideas about what it was in his personality was he just some people are wired i guess for yeah, different kinds of addiction I, but i mean i mean he that's he, heavy he, he would occasionally talk about it i mean I, I don't think it's all that different i mean if you look at his comedy style the style is pushing all the chips onto this thing that you have faith in right and you know it might not work like it's not a sure thing necessarily and so i think it's part of i think 
for him, there's something about that long shot. There's something about the thing that's the outside chance. But if it lands, it's way better than going the easy route, right? It's way better than the sure thing that will get a that's chuckle, good. right? That's a good point. Yeah. Well, he's the, he's this, yeah. He's not a he's not a single hitter. He's a home run hitter. You know what I mean? Right. It's either a home run or you strike out. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's right. basically Norm's whole thing. Yeah. So the, I think I, the big bomber of comedy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple things. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, um, second right. Hand, a gambling addict that we've had, we've covered so far. I think he might be yeah. number 40. We're around 39, 40 yeah, right now. So right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Francis yeah. Bacon, right. Had a game. Francis thing, Bacon, right? the, the great, uh, British painter had yeah. a huge gambling problem. Yeah. Uh, he ended up making so much money that it didn't matter, didn't matter but it, right. it really messed him up for yeah. a few, for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is the thing with Norman, like I said, 2011, I mean, he's gambling online poker in what he would refer to as a degenerate manner. So I, I don't know that he ever really stopped. And in fact, there's a thing on the last special that Netflix special he put out that was recorded without even an audience because there wasn't time. There's a sort of a, a round table with Dave Chappelle and David Letterman, and Adam Sandler, and David Spade and Conan and Molly Shannon. And David Letterman just asks the group, you know, was he still gambling? And Sandler and Spade, who were relatively close to him, said they weren't sure he might have been. So he could have been gambling. He might have. I don't know that he ever really quit. I mean, he probably had times where he was doing it more and less, but I don't think that he ever really quit. It was anymore. like uh, I think it was like smoking cigs to him, too. You know, what mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same compulsion. It's like yeah. uh, he would do it for a while. I mean, yeah, like he was on. I mean, I think Rogan told the story, but he was on a plane mm -hmm. with Rogan and he goes. The whole time he's just talking about how he quit smoking and then he gets off the plane, goes into the uh, convenience store, buys a pack of cigarettes, lights one in the thing. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I started again. I <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's 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 funny. It, it, I mean, I never had a thing for gambling, so it always strikes me as weird, but I've had I've had stuff for other things. And and yeah, yeah. I mean, there something gets its hooks in you, man. It's not easy to. Yeah. Yeah. And Norman, you know, he didn't have to work a normal job. He didn't have school nights. He didn't, you know, he wasn't married. You know, he could kind yeah. of get away with it to a certain degree, you know. Imagine yeah, being mm, yeah. going. Nobody was there to check. Nobody was there to sure. check him, you know. Right. But right, what are you going to yeah. say? Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, imagine being Norm McDonald. How old is he now? I mean, we're, we're getting into the aughts, right? I mean, yeah, I, I kind of fast forwarded to talk the gambling stuff, but like, yeah, yeah. At, when he hits on when he hits on Saturday Night Live, he would have been uh, twenty. He would have been like twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, with that kind like that. of money, you don't have a family kind of holding you down. You're yeah. yeah I mean, I could imagine. Fuck it, we'll go. Let's go to Vegas. Let's uh, right. let's go to Atlantic City. Let's just stay right. in the casinos. I mean, those places are they're fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. So, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. And when he's on SNL, he was in his mid 30s. I did the math wrong. Yeah, anyway, yeah. He's so it's still all young. Yeah, yeah. Still no, young, you're man. you know you're in a man. You're fam You're you're man. You're famous. You've got hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can go back to the ATM machine anytime you want. And you're in Atlantic City, and it's Friday night. Fuck it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Probably having a few exactly. pops too. I bet. Yeah. 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 What's yeah. funny is he's not. He wasn't. I mean, we'll talk about this more later. He wasn't like a materialist guy either. Like it's not like. 
the money wasn't so he would then go spend it on a bunch of stuff. It was really, it seemed to be like the thing itself, if that makes sense. Like the actual yeah. rush of of winning, of taking the risk and winning or losing, right? That endorphin roller coaster. Well, yeah, they, they, they say this, the, the, the gambling addict loves losing. Like on mm. some level, they're there to lose too. You have mm -hmm. to be. Otherwise, you just stop going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he yeah. said the most painful part is once you notice that you're it's ending between when you notice it's turning on you, like in an individual bet, say a game starts to not go well, that like all you all you're, you're just like, I just want it to be over. Like I want all the money to be gone. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of like the thing. Sometimes this is how he says you end up spending till you're broke. Because if you had half a million dollars and you lost 450, that last 50, it's like, just get rid of all of it. Just take me yeah. to the, with straight it, me to with the bottom. It, with it back on one trade. Right. Right. Yep. Right. Or yeah. it's also yeah. like, just like lose it. Yeah. But that 50,000 is just laughing at you. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's right. almost taunting you to be like, all right, fuck yeah. it. Just do it. Yeah, just get rid of all all, of it. all on zero at roulette. Let's go. Right. <laughs> just walk out 100%. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about, we're going to talk about a feud that he had on Saturday Night Live, and then we're going to talk about the OJ Simpson stuff. Okay, so the biggest feud, because he had made good friends on Saturday Night Live. Adam Sandler, who would help him out in his career quite a bit, lifelong friends with David Spade. He was friends with Rob Schneider. He thought Chris Farley was basically the funniest person who ever walked the earth. Um, and Yet he didn't get along with everybody, right? And the one guy he got along with the least, it was Chris Catan. I don't know if you guys remember Chris Catan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Catan played Corky Romano, and he was a Knight of the Roxbury. He played Mango, which I remember was just like this little feral guy who ate fruit really weirdly and was always trying to hump people. Oh, I looked the um, guy up. Okay, yeah, I could see yeah. these two just in terms of physiognomy that yeah. they're just fire and ice somehow. Yeah. Mm. Now, here the thing about I think the thing about Chris Kattan, excuse me, the thing about Chris Kattan that borrowed, bothered Norm Macdonald is everybody thought Chris Kattan was a gay guy, and yet Chris Kattan was constantly talking about women like and he would fl egregiously flirt with any women that came on the set you know what i mean like he would constantly throw it at him and he just drove norm mcdonald nuts and this is the thing i love norm hilarious he had a bit of a mean streak to him at times right i think if you were on his side he was your best friend but if he found that he didn't like he you know he he also he has that kind of wit that can just level somebody right if he wants to and there's this great anecdote that jim brewer who is also on snl at this time jim brewer tells this great anecdote about um when pamela anderson came on saturday night live right and so chris Catan is like constantly like horned up and like talking to her and like oh we can make out we can come to the after party and get right chris can he's being very gross about it the whole week and um they're supposed to be in, in Catan. Anytime a woman would come on as the host, he would write a sketch in which he would get to make out with whoever the host was. Right. That was the sketch that he would write. <laughs> uh... Yeah. So. Um, so anyway, there's a sketch coming on and it's going to be the Twilight Zone sketch. And Norm Macdonald is going to be Rod Serling, who we've also covered on the show. Um, and which is which is perfect because you can play that straight man kind of thing. Right. Big, prominent voice. Um now, the sketch is, if people remember Twilight Zone, there was an episode of the Twilight Zone where um, everybody's like pig faced. And then there's this one <laughs> woman who's in bandages and they pull it off and she's she's a, a normal looking woman. And 
everybody's like aghast at her because it's the pig face society, right? So a normal looking human being is disgusting to him. It's that ironic twist. Now, the joke is obviously Pamela Anderson is the woman. And when they take the thing off, all of the male pig faced guys are like, oh, she's hot. You know, it's, it's like <laughs> an opposite of the twist, right? But oh, okay. anyway, the point is while they're doing, they're doing dress rehearsals, and you do dress and then you do live, right? So you do dress and that's to kind of shake anything out and make sure the <clears> sketch <throat> works. You might actually use that if say something in the live show kind of doesn't work for whatever reason, you might splice that in. So they do dress and they do they do rehearsal. Um, in dress, Norm doesn't do the Rod Serling voice. He just does his normal voice. And this is driving Chris Kattan <laughs> crazy, right? Just driving him nuts. And he's 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 getting all charged up. And he's like, Norm, you're such a, you're so unprofessional. I can't believe, you know, and Norm is the biggest star of SNL at this time. So Chris Kattan's very upset with him, calling him unprofessional, all this. Meanwhile, he keeps hitting on hitting on Pamela Anderson in a very gross way. Okay, cut to the next day. They're doing the live taping. And again, counting down. Chris Kattan is keeps jabbing at Norm Macdonald about, oh, I can't believe you're going to, you're not going to do the voice. It's so unprofessional. He's also hitting on Pamela Anderson. And then 15 seconds to them hitting the cameras, Norm Macdonald basically turns, turns to Chris Kattan, remember 15 seconds, and then they're going to be live on the air. Norm Macdonald turns to Chris Kattan and he basically says, I want to quote, this is what Jim Brewer says he said. So it's not exactly right, but this is basically what it, what Norm says with 15 seconds to air, says it right to Chris Kattan. Hey, everyone, in case you didn't know, Kattan is gay, even though he doesn't say he's gay. And that's why he's an angry little <laughs> bitch and takes it out on everyone. And he tries to hit on Pamela Anderson and everyone else. So why don't you just come out of the closet instead of living a lie, you little bitch? Boom. Live. He goes right into the Rod Serling oppression. Perfect. Nails it. Right? <laughs> And Chris Kattan Kattan has now had been punched in the nuts, basically, and is now on live TV for millions of people and has to, you know, has to has to hold his frame. Yeah, really, really, really funny. That fucking rocks. rocks, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, All right. So. um, okay, one more thing, and then we're going to talk about OJ. I forgot how much stuff happens in the 90s. The 90s is where a lot of the good bio stuff happens because this is the, like the height of his fame for the general public in 1997 he goes to family he gets invited to family night at the hancher auditorium at the university of iowa and this is a famous night in stand-up comedy daryl hammond and jim brewer are opening for him family night at the hancher auditorium university of iowa it's a fundraiser for the university of iowa athletic department family night right okay Jim Brewer goes on, fine, normal. Daryl Hammond goes on, fine, normal. They're doing great. They're killing it, but everyone's waiting for Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald comes out. He's been instructed not to swear. It's family night at the University of Iowa. There, there are not only college kids, but there's their parents. There's little brothers and sisters. There's a bunch of children. There's about <laughs> 2,000 people in the auditorium. Go beautiful ahead. campus. Yeah, Iowa City, okay. it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Now, According to there's different reports on what Norm's first joke was, but what Jim Brewer says is this is the first joke. First thing he says when he gets out on stage. Now, if you're a gay guy, would you rather be the ass guy or the dick guy? Because, I mean, what's the benefit of being the ass guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Family night. (laughs) The hot guys. And and. 
they leave they start leaving in droves right oh, he says wow. the estimates are by the time norm mcdonald was done they'd started with two thousand people in the audience there were 200 people left by the end of norm mcdonald's set. walked over a thousand people walked, walked yeah like 1800 people apparently he walked Holy and the only shit. people left were like like the hardcore college kids who thought it was hilarious that he was doing yeah. this right um, wow he gets disinvited he gets disinvited um from the next day's golf event or whatever right and then apparently i wanted to find the specific text of this and i couldn't he refers to it as or jim brewer refers to it as getting kicked out of the state of iowa by the governor so there was like a write-up at basically asking norm mcdonald to leave the state after this <laughs> dude so there is a there was a comic that was there that night uh, he's a very funny comedian i cannot remember his name right now but he just did a podcast with segura and his version of it is that he was there with his mom and the family because it was fucking family night right and <laughs> the, his report is that he went up there and he was talking about you know when you're jerking off and you it's like it's like that was the first thing out of his mouth. you know you're jerking off and you do this and you do that yeah like and he will just start and he's like cry like this com this kid is not a comic yet but he's right. going to be is crying and his mom <laughs> leaves and it's just him and his boys and then yeah he gets kicked out of iowa and like they still like I, they still talk about it they yeah they had like a now they had like a 20th anniversary write-up in like the student newspaper or something <laughs> yeah yeah it's like they refer to it it's like it's like it's like if the campus burned down or something that's how they were well, it's like it's like ozzy about. peeing outside of the alamo or something you know what i mean like where it's like that level of disrespect i guess that yep. they felt yeah. <laughs> they wanted him to work clean for family yeah. night yeah. and uh yeah. yeah he he wasn't having it maybe he'd had a bad gambling beat oh it's fine i mean that's possible <laughs> yeah. i think he was screwing with them because because he would later say he's like oh i would never swear like that if i knew there were children around he would also say stuff like you know i, I i'm there working for whoever owns the cameras so you know i i try to do what they ask of me you well know? it's but just like, uh don't it's i i think that part is a lie i think it is don't you tell him to do something he, he will do the opposite i mean yeah. it's just like stop doing oj jokes right mm, <laughs> i'll do i'll do a whole yeah. 10 minutes on OJ. yeah yeah. So so moving into that, we're going to talk about the OJ part because this part is this part is great. And it's also like, I mean, so he's he goes hard on OJ. And I, as I'm thinking back to this, like, I mean, I don't know how well you guys remember that case, like that case going on and how much it was in the news. Like, I mean, it was there had never been anything like it. I don't it think there's unreal. been anything since really. Yeah. It's it was a moment for sure. We we watched it. It didn't seem strange at the time, but it seems strange now. I mean, I was in seventh grade, I think we the teacher in my history class turned the TV on for the verdict like it was very wow. they, they they put it on uh, in the lunchroom. In yeah. my junior high, as yeah, a big we, moment, they put the verdict on. It was some kind of thing. How crazy is that? I mean, how right. insane were these <laughs> right. adults? Yeah, isn't it crazy? These are, yeah, yeah. I, I found this is a something kind of funny. Blake, I found out to just to give you the kind of idea of the childhood I had. I went and was, I was poking around my my hometown recently, um, on like Google Maps or whatever. I was thinking of maybe take a trip out there or whatever. The school that I went to, elementary school, and then junior high has since been converted into low-income housing. 
And I could get, I don't want to detract from the episode, but I could get pictures. I could see my old locker. It's, it's like, it's just Dickensian. What a nightmare. Fucking, I knew it was a dump. Right, right, right. <laughs> But but that was a, this is what was so weird about like okay so you watched it in school why were they even why was it such a big deal hysteria right? mania media hypersensationalism brainwashing yeah. uh, he was a football yeah. player he carried right. the ball he carried the the ball that wasn't round yeah uh, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah you know he was a hero to that generation and so it, well it right. was a media event in a way oh, we were was. getting like a little cultural studies moment like a media suppose, studies yeah. you know but yeah yeah it was crazy and so at norm i mean norm said weekend update had something especially when excuse me when the trial itself was going on he, they had something about it basically every week and i kind of i don't know now it's sort of like was that contributing to the overall like attention on it or was it following oh, it, it you know it what is, i mean it's kind of did they coincide um, yeah go ahead like i was gonna say i think it was also like court tv like didn't wasn't it one of the first ones that was like really put yeah. on every yeah. day like I, maybe the menendez brothers was like the first first Might one have been. yeah but uh after that and then i mean but the menendez brothers weren't famous already right you know what i mean right. oj was a fucking i mean he was a movie star he was a, he was a movie star, star. Too. Yep. i mean he was fucking everything he was yeah. like an all-american kind of guy and then the chase, I think, contributed to it. Oh yeah, like, no, there was so know, much. That. Yeah. Well, and then the race, the race stuff. It was kind of oh, coming yeah, on the right. tail end of the LA riots too. Yeah. Like, but... yeah. It's when cable news had really kicked off as well. Yeah. The twenty four seven news cycle, yeah. and everybody has cable in their homes now. And mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this, I mean, this whole thing factors in huge into into Norm's career, right? And and also to his. I mean, he was saying some of the funniest stuff about the trial that anyone was saying was coming out of Norm's mouth. And I got a couple of the jokes because they're pretty hilarious. And for folks who didn't, who are maybe younger and like missed the whole OJ thing, I hope these are still funny. Um, here's one. It has been revealed today that OJ Simpson told police that Nicole Brown Simpson used to beat him up. He also told police that she and Ron Goldman killed him. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great fucking joke uh, yeah. for, for for the zoomers out there oj simpson killed his wife right yeah. right right she yeah. Killed, yeah. let's let's and cut ron, to the and, chase and ron, and ron goldman and, and, and ron, ron goldman, goldman who norm mcdonald would constantly refer, refer to as a waiter yeah um <laughs> he was he was a waiter um it was revealed there's another one it was revealed this week that defense lawyer johnny cochran once abused his first wife in his defense, Cochran said, hey, at least I didn't kill her like some people I know. Here's <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one. Was O.J. Simpson high on speed the night of the murders? Absolutely not, said defense attorney Johnny Cochran. A simple test of any of O.J.'s blood found at the crime scene will prove it. <laughs> this was part of the joke too is like the physical evidence was like overwhelming that oj simpson yeah. did it and like they constantly had reasons why it, here's another one uh f lee bailey was another who's another uh uh attorney for oj f lee bailey said this week that if the defense only knew what ron goldman's last words were they would see the truth of the case my guess is that ron goldman's last last words were hey you're oj <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> do one or two more. Uh, dismissed Simpson juror Jeanette Harris revealed in interviews this week that the jury is torn by dissension. It is already divided into two camps. Those who think he is guilty and those who are really, really stupid. <laughs> There's a good, another good one. Remember, remember 12 Angry Men, the famous courtroom drama? Well, the first film about O.J. Simpson case is in the works. It is entitled Nine Angry Black People, Two Scared Asians, and a White Guy Who Hasn't Spoken Since Rosa Lopez. Oh. <laughs> Rosa Lopez was like one of the first yeah. witnesses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, here's another one. Well, the trial of the century is over. Late yesterday, the fate of O.J. Simpson, the most famed murder suspect in American history, was placed in the hands of the jurors. They must now decide whether to free him or to get all their heads cut off. <laughs> <laughs> and here is here is here is the big here is the big one. Uh, it's official. Murder is legal in the state of California. Jesus Whoa. <laughs> that goes so hard. Which, That's not even yeah. funny. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, no, yeah. it's really not. But it is actually, if you think about it, it's kind of close to that Lyle Lovett joke. It's like, yeah, yes. So yes, it's it's yes, just yes. it's just the one observation in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. So, so people loved this mostly, right? This is something people were constantly coming back to. I remember some of these jokes from back then. Um, I feel like at that time I watched. Saturday Night Live, like on Comedy Central, like later. I don't know. I don't. I, yes, I really watched daytime. it when it was on. Yeah, in the daytime, they played. Uh, it was stand up until God. I'm a fucking dork. It was stand up. No, I'm until with you. I watched like it all the time. One o'clock, and then yeah. they would play two '90s SNL episodes, and then they put like Kids in the Hall, and then uh, something else, and then like Daily Show. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. people, uh, the younger, the youngins, they'll never appreciate. Comedy Central in the nineties. Oh, and so good! It was dude, so good. Mystery Science Theater three thousand. That yes, was my yes. jam. Yeah, yeah it still so is. Good. Love that show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, man. Yeah, I watched. We that's all we watched. I mean, I watched that more than MTV. I think. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So okay, so uh, trial ends nineteen October nineteen ninety five. Right. Norm continues on to be the host of Weekend Update until December of 1997. See, I my memory he'd been fired like almost right after this, but apparently it goes on. He goes on for a while. Um, at that point, December of 1997, the uh, president of NBC's West Coast division, this guy Don Olmeyer, uh, basically pressures Norm into being fired, and. It turns out that old Don Olmeyer was good friends with O.J. Simpson. He golfed with O.J. Simpson. According to Jim Downey, uh, one of the comedy writers Weekend Update, uh, Don Olmeyer threw a party for the jurors who dismissed O.J. Right. So Jesus. Right. Yeah. So now, according to Norm, Don Olmeyer said that Norm was fired because he wasn't funny. Right. Um, Norm's has Norm has a great joke about this. It was like, um, you know, fired is one thing, but it's like then he they told me I wasn't funny. I was like, oh, that's much worse. You know, I don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, oh, that's bad news. And he goes, Yeah, you're not funny. And he's like, Oh my god, that's even worse news. <laughs> he had a great, amazing joke because they asked him because he got fired, and then a year later he came back to host. Yep. And they were like, yeah, they fired me because I'm not funny. So right. either uh, I got funny or this show sucks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually got a bit of that. Yeah, he comes back in here. Let me just read. Uh, uh, 
how this a little bit after this how did i suddenly get so damn funny this is from the saturday night live <laughs> monologue it it is inexplicable to me because a year and a half let's face it that's not enough time for a dude to get funny and then it occurred to me i haven't gotten funnier the show has gotten really bad so yeah i'm funny compared to well you'll see later okay so let's recap the bad news is i'm still not funny the good news is the show blows all right we got a bad show for you dr gray snoop doggy dog eminem is here we'll be right back yeah wow. that was a great one of the great monologues of all time all twisted up oh yeah yeah hilarious and him going him going on letterman and like not dogging on don omeyer is so funny he's like ah he's a good man he's a good guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and letterman is pounding on olmeyer and and norm's just like ah you know whatever yeah (laughs) yeah which was which was in hindsight probably the right move right even if he was super mad at him yeah that was that was the move to play for sure um because then he comes out of it looking much better um the next thing that happens the next thing that comes out after saturday night live the big next big thing is dirty work uh dirty work this is basically norm mcdonald ends up being in a bunch of movies and small parts and voiceover and stuff like that this is the only norm mcdonald movie this is the only movie where he is a lead actor um and basically if you haven't seen it norm mcdonald plays this guy kind of down on a like guy who starts a revenge for higher business with his friend and you find out later his brother Artie lang um and it, it, it's ab- it's i was looking up a little bit about the the, the reviews of it because i was just curious like how was it perceived sort of at its time um it has a 14 percent rating on rotten tomatoes <laughs> oof yeah people people <laughs> fucking people fucking hated it when it came yeah. out and now it's like revered it's a cult hit i mean it's it's hilarious it's one of those comedies you put on you go how did this ever get made yeah could anything like this ever be made again what happened yeah Yeah. let me let me tell you some of the people who are in it too just because that it's a it's pretty it's pretty good norm mcdonald obviously Artie lang um this guy jack warden who if that name doesn't ring a bell and you saw him you would remember he's the old man he plays he plays pop um chris farley uh Chevy Chase, who that's a this is Chris Farley and Chevy Chase, two of their better. I don't know, but I don't know if it's their better roles, but they play great roles. I mean, Chris Farley's got half his nose bitten off by a Saigon whore, and he's just completely <laughs> out of control. Chevy Chase is Chevy Chase is a doctor who is basically in deep with the bookies. So every scene you see him show up and he's got like a different injury, you know, it's like (laughs) they cut a toe off or they broke his arm or something, got thrown out of a moving car. Um, uh, And there's a bunch. I mean, actually, I was surprised to see this, but like John Goodman's in it. Adam Sandler is in it, which I forgot. Gary Coleman's in it. Uh, Dave Ketchner's in it. Uh, who else? Those are Yo, probably the names that people wouldn't remember. Bob Saget directed this thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's based on a Roald Dahl short story. Yeah, Vengeance I mean, it's very, loose, yeah, very yeah, like in a loose based. way. But that's, I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Bob Bob Saget at this time had only directed one other thing. This is this TV, made for TV movie called. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was basically Bob Saget had a sister who had this very rare disease called scleroderma. Um, and they made this TV movie sort of to bring attention to her life and to scleroderma. And that's and and that was the only thing Bob Saget had ever directed before Dirty Work. But 
Bob Saget and Norm Macdonald go way back. Norm Macdonald met Bob at Yuck Yucks. I believe it was Yuck Yucks in Ottawa when Norm was 14 years old. Hmm. So he he was like the first comedian that that Norm ever met was Bob Saget. And then their sort of their careers kind of came back together, right? As they both and Bob Saget was a young man then too. He's only a few years older than 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 Norm. Um give you uh one of there's a whole there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie. This is one that stood out to me that I watched it again. I did not remember. So Dr. Farthing is the Chevy Chase character. He's the doctor who's in deep with the bookies. He says, uh, I know there's really nobody to blame for this but myself. Well, I don't know. Maybe the Buffalo Bills, the Boston Red Sox, or Mr. <laughs> T. He says Mr. T, and then Mr. Norm's character goes, wait a minute, Mr. T, are you telling me that you bet on the fight in Rocky Three, and that you bet against Rocky? <laughs> and Chevy Chase says, hindsight is 2020, my friend. <laughs> That's hilarious. Betting on, betting on fights in movies. That's yeah. so good. There and this is also one of the funniest bits. There's so many. You could just we could just read the whole movie, but I want people who haven't seen it or have seen it and it's been a while. I just want to remind you of some of the hilarity in this thing. There's a bit where Norm and Artie go to prison, right? Because they got a revenge for higher business. They get on the wrong side of the law. They end up in jail, and Norm gets ra- anally raped uh, by another prisoner, which goes back to the his whole S- SNL thing, right? Like he kind of knew it had to happen if he ends up in prison. But there's this hilarious bit right after he gets raped and he's yelling, he's sort of reprimanding the men who raped him. And it's just so funny. You fellas have a lot of growing up to do. I'll tell you that. Ridiculous. <laughs> Completely ridiculous. Can you believe these characters? Way out of line. Way out of line. <laughs> I have a good mind to go to the warden about this. You know what hurts the most about it is the lack of respect, you know? That's what hurts the most. I mean, except for the other thing. That hurts the most. But the lack of hurt respect hurts the second most. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shouldn't be funny, but it's funny. Oh well, that's what Norm could do, man. I mean, he could make stuff mm. that's not you're not supposed to laugh about. Could make it absolutely hilarious, without like necessarily like sort of punching down or something, right? I mean, that was him. He was the joke is he got ra- anally raped, right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, so dirty work. I don't know. I remember seeing it like a year or two after it came out, actually, with some friends of mine. But but it kind of disappeared, and now like. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cult hit. I would Kevin Hart of all people, and I don't know why I was surprised by this, but he was on something. He basically said this is his favorite movie, right? So it's very yeah. well respected amongst you know comedy aficionados at this point. Um, there's just so many good gags. Him constantly getting thrown out of buildings or into dumpsters is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like every half the scenes end with him getting thrown into a dumpster or out of the door. Um, Let's see. So, okay. So after SNL, he's kicked off of SNL. He's lost all his money gambling at least once or twice. Dirty work comes out. It's a box office, total box office failure. Um, It's this point where he starts to become, he's been on talk shows promoting stuff, but it's at this point after dirty work where he really starts kind of coming into this sort of talk show legend status where I think he really like it becomes it becomes like almost a primary outlet for him because he he he's always done stand up, but he hasn't released any specials or CDs or anything yet. Um, right. He had Weekend Update. He had this movie. Nothing. There's you can't buy a recording of Norm Macdonald. You have to go see him live. Right. Um, 
so the talk show thing becomes pretty pretty interesting one of the first ones not one of the first ones one of the ones that to me really showed you what he could do in this environment was when he goes on the view in i think it's <laughs> thousand or nine i think it's oh. 2000 it's uh it's right after the election yeah it's yeah. like right after that the whole thing got like figured out yeah i think it's in the middle of it happening because well, it's no, right no, no, no you're right oh, yeah no, no, you're, yeah. no you're right no you're right because it's like i hope I he hope, says i hope that the right man wins or whatever like i hope bush wins yeah 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 because so it's when bush and gore is going on and they ask him if he if he likes bush and he says um he, he says something like uh i think i have the actual quote um yeah he says he loves george w bush you know he's not a liar or crook murderer or anything like that i think we should get the homicide out of the white house and and they're like and Barbara Walters and Joy Behar and all of them are like, what are you talking about? And, and Norm just plays it like total dumb. He's like, didn't you hear that uh, Bill Clinton killed a guy? And like later on, they're like going kind of nuts. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was a matter of public record that he killed. Yeah. A guy. <laughs> I thought it was just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh my god! And so like. They didn't know what to do with him. I mean, Barbara Walters has this moment where she's like, you're supposed to be funny, not realizing that he's like, he's absolutely <laughs> killing it. Um, now, one funny thing about that story is apparently he had he basically walked out of a three day poker binge at the Hollywood Bowl to go do that performance on The View. Right. <laughs> so like he says he hadn't he said he didn't sleep for three days. How, how true that is. I don't know. Um, but, uh, around this time, he also goes on who wants to be a millionaire and which is only notable for a couple of things. One, he almost won. He almost won the million dollars. It was supposed to go to charity. It was going to go to Paul Newman's charity. If you watch it, he wasn't a hundred percent sure what his final answer was going to be. So who wants to be a millionaire was this game show hosted by Regis Philbin for people who don't know. Basically you answered a series of multiple choice questions. They got harder and harder and harder. And then eventually you got to a point where like you would lose all of it if you got it wrong. So you could either stay with whatever you'd got or you'd answer and you'd lose all of it. Right. So he'd won $500,000 for charity. He gets to the last question. Uh, the last question is, during the Cold War, the U.S. government built a bunker to house Congress under what golf resort? And then they named four golf resorts. Norm didn't know, but the one he get, he was going to guess was the correct one. And Regis kind of talked him out of it, mm. out of answering. And so Norm MacDonald just decides, I'll just keep the 500000 And then when they say, oh, it's this, it's, it's uh, Greenbrier, which Norm had said was his guess, um, you can see Norm like comes out of a seat for a second. Like, what did you just do to me? Why did you, like, <laughs> why did you talk me out? And he, he like settles down, but there's like a second where he's like, what? That, that all the wires of years and years of gambling. Yeah. Right. Just, right. Yeah. 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 You're like, yeah, you can't. Uh. So he did get kind of, I mean, he got kind of cheated out of that in a way. Mm. If you watch it, that's the impression that you get anyway. Um, Half a million dollars buys a lot of pasta sauce. It does buy for, a lot of pasta for Newman's. Yeah. So again, talk show, the talk show things heating up. He's on David Letterman a lot. He's on Conan O'Brien a lot. He's on Howard Stern fairly often. Those are always good interviews though. Howard and, Stern. 
Go ahead. Divorce now? Yeah, divorced in 1999. Yeah, okay. So we're way ahead of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Never would marry again. Hmm. Later on, sometime in the mid-2010s, says, I haven't had sex in a decade. Um, Whether he had relationships at all is pretty unclear. There was only Only uh, during the making of of dirty work. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Of a method thing. Yeah, yeah. There was some <laughs> speculation. There was a rumor for a while, I think, in the late 90s that he was dating Elle McPherson, but I, he never really confirmed or denied that. It's so interesting because he was always, he's a good looking guy Yeah, Norm yeah. MacDonald. He's, he he's a handsome, handsome guy. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it's any... It's just like yeah. he thought it was bullshit, probably. Mm. <laughs> I, that's what he said. He said to come to a point where it just like it wasn't interesting to him, like. Yeah. yeah, you know, and he has these funny jokes about like uh, he would always refer to sex as laying down on top of a lady. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most of the time, that's what it is. Yeah, most of the yeah. time. So he's got these. I mean, he's got these great. He's got these, and I don't. I didn't really know what. I mean, we kind of refer to some of these bits, and. You never really knew what you were getting when he came on to do a, to talk on 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 any of these talk shows. The Howard Stern ones aren't that great. I mean, you're in prime Howard Stern shock jock territory, and Howard Stern doesn't have the right kind of playfulness for Norm, in my opinion. Like David Letterman and Conan knew how to like kind of give him room or give him just that right kind of play the straight man a little bit to make it funny, you know, be a little bit outraged at what Norm is saying. So it kind of works. Howard never did that. Howard is always just like, well, well, what were her tits like? You know, it never really always kind of like, it just didn't work with Norm. Um, uh, Actually for folks who haven't seen it, I would recommend looking up the Tom Green, the old Tom Green show when Norm comes on, they're actually pretty funny. And you can tell that Norm really likes Tom Green. Um, They oddly have a very similar sense of humor. And plus you get these two Ottawa guys talking and Norm kind of forgets he's on a show. It feels like, like yeah. he really just kind of starts talking about what uh, growing up in Ottawa was like and, and, you know, really just kind of revealing a little bit, not too revealing, but just interesting to see him in that mode. Um, the, uh, one of my favorite things I, I sent out in the telegram today, I think was, um, on Conan, he does the Kitchener Leslie story. <laughs> it cracks me up. It's just this old time story about like, oh, old yeah, riding the rails, sure. running yeah. into this old railroad dick. And like, and I don't even want to give the punchline away, but it's a long story, but it has a very simple punchline. It's, it's a, it's, it's not the moth joke, but it's, it's a three yeah. minutes joke that could have been 15 seconds, 30 seconds long. It's, it's like a shaggy. I think what uh, people call it is these shaggy dog stories where it's right. like you sort of go through this whole thing just for this very slight payoff. And it's really right. not like, I mean, the moth joke is not funny, but it is because of the way that he does it. Right, I mean, he even right. says that he's like, "Oh, a guy in my cab told me this joke." He comes like, well, "Why wouldn't right. Why would we just have him on?" He's like, "Well, you right. should hear me do it." Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the moth joke is really interesting. So, part of the I, I was curious what the backstory about that was because yeah. So, for for folks who don't know, like the moth joke is a joke where a moth goes into um. I think the basic outline of it is like a moth goes in and starts to the doctor's office and starts 
telling you know telling him he's got problems and then uh it turns out it's a podiatrist's office the podiatrist says why are why are you here and the moth says because the light was on that's the joke and yeah. norm stretches it out into about a seven minute joke with like tinges of russian literature right and about how like you know looking over at my son and i realized i don't love him anymore all these things goes on and on and on and on but it's ultimately the same joke because the light was on right it's like a street joke that he expanded into this thing apparently the root of this was norm shows up to do his normal whatever two minutes or whatever and the next guest was not available and so conan asked him if he could fill in for seven minutes and the thing is norm's presentations on these things he's got they always seem just like conversations like they don't seem they don't always seem all that prepared but they were always prepared he always knew what he was going to do when he came out there and thought about it and molded over and it was going to be something nobody'd ever seen before and 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 so he's like stuck he's like what am i going to do and he just decided he was going to stretch out the moth joke for seven minutes which and it works it's hilarious in a way i mean part of the joke is that you know he's telling that joke right and it's like how is he finally gonna wind his way back to the punchline right becomes it's like absurdism yeah it's the ridiculousness right that you're stretching it out like this right yeah yeah And, and so i i i'm just i was just super impressed that and again you think about that gambler thing right like seven minutes what are you gonna do i mean i think a lesser comedian would have maybe just like done an old bit done talked about something they talked out on the show a few years ago just shot you know they would have just filled it in somehow just like fall into yeah right Hmm. right and he's like well let's uh let's just put it all on double zeros let's see what happens (laughs) in front of millions of people Uh, it's it's amazing it's amazing in a way from that perspective i think um, going into comedy, I want to ask Blake something. Going yeah. into comedy, Blake, do you you do you slowly discover like what you're gonna do if you corpse, like if you, if you forget your stuff? Do you like go okay, maybe a little crowd work, or do you fall back on old bit? Like, is it a it's a personal style thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it really just I like if you never really forget your stuff. It's just like if it's where you're like oh they don't they're not going to like what i am so <laughs> how do i still enter do i do we, you make that that game time call of okay well do i just hammer them with who i am with material or do i hammer them in a uh riffy i mean like last night is a perfect example i they did not like any dark and that's all i do so it's just dark stuff is it's all tinged with darkness even if it's a very banal topic but i was like well i will just uh be myself and riff and i mean i did it for 45 minutes so it's like it's not you know yeah and yeah i'll do some i was like all right well maybe i'll try a joke now and then they're like well we ate that it's like okay well all right here we go back to me fucking around um yeah i mean you still want to entertain but there can be entertainment even in the idea that we've agreed that I don't like you guys and you don't like what I am, but we will still have fun. Right. <laughs> I know Blake, we're coming up against your time. I, I think you said you got maybe another 10 minutes, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. before we, you know, we, we'll, we'll keep you for the d- duration if you're, if you're willing to stick around. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome, man. But can you, do you want to give your plugs one more time? 
yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's big, big rad machine on everything: Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all of that dumb bullshit. And then uh, Blake One Eighty Two on YouTube. Um, yeah, go watch it. It's a fun, it's a fun it's set. So it's so it's resident. So a resident comedian on Art of yeah. Darkness. I know, man. Yeah, hey, it's like yeah, we'll always have you back on, man. Yeah, you, yeah. you know what I was gonna bring up is that it's very funny that we did Bill Hicks and then we did Norm because there was a part on Norm's podcast where he makes fun of Bill Hicks, like does a whole bit where he makes fun of Bill Hicks. He like takes gasoline and is gonna light himself on <laughs> fire to make a big statement. He's like, This yeah. is comedy. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't like he didn't like that kind of con he did not like bill hicks's style uh, any of that he didn't like any of the political stuff i mean yeah yeah it's very interesting very two very Fucking different kinds so of guys funny. yeah awesome yeah so yeah no that's <laughs> i i just trying to imagine norm mcdonald actually trying to do some like see his kind of political humor is that like that george w bush thing about bill clinton being a murderer it's not even it's not even that he necessarily believes Bill Clinton's a murderer. Maybe he does. It's not even necessarily that he loves George W. Bush or not. He wants to make that discomfort. What he really wanted to do was get Barbara Walters and Joy Behar riled up, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah. Whether he liked George, it's irrelevant what his polit actual political opinions are, if he has any, right? Because he would, he would often say, like, it's funny that I was the Weekend Update guy because I didn't know anything about politics. Like I yeah. didn't know. Well, I knew nothing. Another thing that makes it funny is that there's some guy watching that going, "Yeah, the Clintons are murderers." He's right. <laughs> yeah, right. it's you go know, what is it? What is it? Yeah, how can you say this on network on right. uh, like some morning daytime, show? Daytime, daytime TV. <laughs> ten in the it's ten in the morning. Right. right. Like, you have to like you have to realize it's also ten in the morning in front of a bunch of housewives. Yeah. He's no, like, I I thought he murdered somebody. <laughs> oh man yeah it, it, yeah and in context and like structurally what that those shows represent for someone to come on and just say that and he also later in that later in that interview he goes uh they switch topics to like he has an embarrassing himself in front of bill cosby story and he goes oh, yeah. bill cosby he's a great man he's never done anything wrong i mean just saying that knowing it like because there was like a case against him in the early 90s and uh, right. it sort of got brushed over and right. he was like yeah he's never done anything wrong like it's like <laughs> <God>. <laughs> well he does he he does he says to all of them he's like we love bill cosby right we love yeah. bill cosby he just yeah. Keeps, yeah keeps not doing the joke keeps not telling the story yeah because we all love bill cosby he's a yep. great man and yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's how you know that's how you know norm look well, Norm did love Bill Cosby as a comedian, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Total respect for him. But, like, that was one thing. That's how you know that Norm's got a little bit something against you is if he says, oh, well, he's a good man. Yeah, yeah that's he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so funny. Um, so, well, let's do this. We got a couple of minutes. I want to talk about the roast, the Bob Saget roast. Like, yeah. what do you remember as, do you remember any specific jokes from that Bob Saget roast? If not, I got some, but I'm curious. I remember, what you, you remember. I, I remember he uh, did the, 
Greg Giraldo's got the eyes of an eagle or whatever. This man's for the birds. I remember that and being and being like, man, what the fuck is he doing? And then like just cat. I mean, like once he got to Saget, he was like, yeah, you brought a shotgun to that game because we were watching the Lions play the Tigers. Um, and then he like eventually broke down because he said the dog face thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you got a face like a fucking dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, that's what it says. Oh, the well. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah, well, well wishers here. And a yeah. lot of people that uh, would wish you down one. Right. <laughs> they want it's, yeah. they want to throw yeah. you down a well. well. <laughs> it says here on this card. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no dude there's so uh there's so many there's there's in a lot of them were the delivery i mean clearly it was like the context that makes it funny but a lot of them is the delivery too like one i've got wrote down that is not fun it's not it's hard to explain to somebody who doesn't immediately think these are funny i mean you can never quite explain why anything's funny but he says your face looks like a flower yeah cauliflower like, <laughs> your, and then he repeats it and then he repeats it he says your face looks like a cauliflower <laughs> it's just the stupidest thing ever it's so tough but it's so funny it's so stupid <laughs> and then they're also part of the bit that i don't think anybody remembers is that he was reading a paper on stage yep and then when they would say his name yeah. he would pull it down like a disappointed dad and right. go back to right. reading. go the... back to reading the paper and it was all because they said that they wanted him to be offensive and raunchy and yeah. he was like no yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. He said I he had a couple points about it. It's like one he's, he didn't really like roasts. At, like he wasn't yeah. he liked the old-timey roasts, but like to him so there was there there was this tradition of the Friars Club which is basically this show business club in New York where towards the end of your career they'd bring you up and you'd do a roast, but all the people would be your friends. The thing about the Comedy Central roast is like they'd bring in, you'd get one or two friends like John Stamos from Full House was the Bob Saget, uh, the MC for the Bob Saget. So they bring in a friend or two and then they bring in a bunch of comedians who are just good at roasts. Yeah. And it's one thing for a guy you've known 20 years to talk shit about you, right? Like, ah, uh, Brad, you old right. so-and-so. Right, right. <laughs> I can I can laugh that off. That's funny. And I can pitch him back. It's another thing to show up in some jackass is insulting you publicly it's like yeah. it's a little harder to swallow well you know? it's and also it's... weird for that person too i mean like right. they are trying i mean it's a career opportunity for them to go on i mean like jesselnick you know fucking oh i love i think he's very funny but like that is he had to go and be mean to these people he did not know yeah yeah it's tough it's got to be tough yeah um, one thing well, I want to get two more of these jokes out real quick and then and then we'll then we'll uh, then we'll let you go. Um, <clears throat> one is so Jim Norton was also on the roast yeah. and at least at the time Jim Norton did not get it at all. He basically no. just thought Norm was not doing a good job of roasting Saget, right? <laughs> and he says at one point, um, uh, Jim Norton does because they roast each other too. They don't just roast the subject, right? They roast each other. That's kind of part of the thing. Um Jim Norton says uh, something about watching uh, watching Norm up here is like watching Henry Fonda pick blueberries, which is from this old movie <laughs> yeah. in the 80s on Golden Pond. And Norm comes up and he says, he says to everybody, says, 
I don't think there's a person in here who wouldn't love watching Henry Fonda pick blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got he's got another he's got another one that's pretty good. I, I Susie Esman, I think. Um, yeah. He says Susie Esman is famous for being a vegetarian. She may be a vegetarian, but she'll always be full of bologna in my book. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and these are apparently these are apparently and here's another connection to his dad and with this whole lineage is these are apparently all from a book of jokes that his father gave him as a gift when norm first got into comedy they're like jokes for retirement like you would read these at somebody's retirement party yeah right right which which it's it's kind of sweet in a way that his dad gave him this book and he kept it all this time and decided this is one to deploy it and it, because it's for his friend and he literally at the end, I mean, before he signs off, he tells Bob that he loves him. Right. And yeah. that everybody should and how great of a guy Bob is. That's how he ends it all, because Bob Zagat is his dear friend, you know, for decades at this point. So right. it's hilarious. It's it's the perfect norm moment because it's hilarious. It's bizarre. It's incredibly remem- memorable. It's something that everybody else isn't doing. It's the opposite of what he was supposed to be doing. And then there's the sweetness in it, too, which yeah. I think is important about norm is ultimately there is like this sweetness. So wait, thank you for coming on to help us cover norm. We're going to yes. we're going to take it from here when you yeah. got a you got a schedule. Oh, yeah. I would let me well, let me take you out to Chinese when you're in the Twin Cities. You're touring. You're you're yes, going around. Yes. You're doing shows. Big rad yes, machine. And, uh, big rad machine. Look me up. I will post all my dates. Uh, and yeah, man, come out to a show. Yeah, Fly absolutely. Go see. Go see. Go watch Blake. Blake one eighty two. It's hilarious. It's so good. Thank you, man. Yes. Thank you guys. Thank I'm you for having me on. Absolutely. Right, Thank man. you for your time. Anytime. Man. See you guys. All right. Appreciate thanks, Blake. Mate, thanks, bud. Yeah. All right. All right. Now the show's guy. about to get a lot less funny. Uh, we'll do our best, <laughs> Kevin. You're gonna have to step your game up here. I'm just yeah, kidding. no, no, that was that was really good. The more I read about this Blake Hammond guy, <laughs> he's Hold great. great guest. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, he's great. We love we love having Blake on. And yeah, it's really it's, really funny. And his his Instagram, funny. You want to yeah. laugh in your feed? Yeah. Uh, worth it. He's hilarious, and and it's really good for. It's really good to get somebody like that for an episode on a stand-up comedian. He clearly loves Norm and he understands. I don't understand the ins and outs of being a stand-up comedian. Right. And, and there was been a cut. There were a couple times in there where Blake brought that personal experience that I think really helped us understand what's going on with Norm. Yeah. yeah we so. had some laughs too. It's nice yeah, to have somebody absolutely. on who was inspired to do what they do now at a, I mean, an increasingly high, a high professional level of comedy, right. Right. but who was like, oh, yeah, it was Norm special. I, I love stuff right. like that. That was really, yeah. yeah, that was really cool. You, you hold down the fort. Keep going. I'm listening. Yep. I've got a, okay. I've got a, a, a child care situation. Understood. Understood. Check on my son, but go on. Yep. I'm going to keep going. So one last thing about the, the, the Bob Saget roast, and this is a really, uh, the whole roast is kind of an important moment in the, in the Norm story. I mean, it's 2008, right? He's a decade or so out from SNL. Um, he's in this sort of mature period. We're hitting what we might call late McDonald. Um, the thing that was interesting, and he talks about it afterwards, apparently a lot of people, a lot of people obviously didn't, couldn't figure it out. And I know Norm would say, I don't really know what there was to figure out. I mean, it's either, you either think it's funny or you don't. Um, but the one thing he was sort of perplexed by is some people were like referring to him as being possibly mentally ill. And Norm's thing was like, well, it, I mean, if you don't like it, that's fine. But don't think I was like crazy. Like I knew what I was doing. 
right? And that that was kind of perplexing for him. I, I thought that was just an interesting note about how he views himself in, in sort of relation to to um, comedy and the audience and and what he's doing. Now, we talked about how he's <clears throat> been on all these talk shows. He's a legendary talk show guest, um, and what ends up happening is sort of maybe the excuse me the peak of this might be when he was on Letterman's final show. Letterman in 2015 retired, excuse me, t- retired from network television. He later had other other shows and he's always been a, a he's still a prominent cultural figure, but this is when David Letterman is going off of late night um in 2015. And that for the last act, the last comedian he brought in Norm Macdonald, which was a huge honor for Norm. And I think in a way, a big honor for David Letterman. David Letterman basically said that Norm, and he would call him Norm Macdonald, which I think Norm appreciated. Um, he called Norm Macdonald the funniest guy in the business. He basically said, there's nobody funnier than Norm. Um, Norm does a set. And I, again, I don't want to rehash his bits, but but you know, it, it's pretty funny. One thing he says, apparently Oprah Winfrey is on the same episode and Norm's first thing is I just wanted to point out that uh, Oprah and I are making the same money tonight, which I think is, I think is pretty funny. Um, he has this joke about, he says, I, I don't smoke weed. I don't drink. Hardest drug I ever did was LSD. Remember when I was a kid, they warned, they would warn you about flashbacks and I like to stretch, stretch my drug dollar, you know? Uh, but the point is this 10 years have passed, 20 years have passed and no flashbacks. What a jip. Just more horseshit from the big acid companies. It's just really funny. He's up there in his suit telling this. Um, it's got a great bit about uh, how, you know, back in the day, everybody who had a, if you had a photo, you had one photo. There was one photo of you back in the day, right? And now there's 100,000. Um, that acid ahead. joke is hilarious. It's really good. <laughs> I want to get the most out of my drug dollars. <laughs> right. I, I, somebody told me there'd be flashbacks. Yeah. Right, right. I love that kind of down home, homey, right. kind of derpy grandpa. Yeah. Drinking an meets... Arnold Palmer. Talking yeah, about but... acid. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a joke he has somewhere where he says, uh, uh, before uh, he's talking about his health and he says, you know, before I, I go on stage, I take a fistful of acid. Uh, my doctor says I got to knock it off. But what the hell is that? Does he know he's a giant purple dog? Woof, woof, woof. So good. He's yeah, got that great, great bit on, on this last Letterman performance. He has this great bit on Germany about uh, how how Germany went to war with the world. Uh, and then a few years, a few years later, again, Germany went to war against the world. And it was actually pretty close. He talks about <laughs> yeah, Hitler. Right. He refers to mm. him as the, you know, and the second time, this time they had that guy that I was that guy. They had him. And uh, yeah, it was close. Yeah. Mm. yeah it got real. Yeah. It got real. It got hairy there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, applying that kind of like, like barbershop kind of at the bar humor, but elevating it to this Tolstoyan yeah. kind of Chekhovian it's, level of uh, so subject good. matter. And then, of course, the perfect delivery. And it's right. great. That timing, everything. He's just, yeah, he's so, so good. Um, I just wanted to read this last thing because there's also a thing that happens right at the end of this last David Letterman performance in 20, 2015, where Norm gets emotional. Um, it's probably the most emotional you ever see him. Um, and the last words he says is, oh, and he does in this really touching moment, he does 
David Letterman's bit from way back in the day when Norm saw Dave perform as a child. When Norm was a kid, he saw him perform at, you know, some performing arts center in Toronto or whatever. And Norm remembered that joke his whole life and told it again on Letterman's final performance, which is a very touching thing, in my opinion, um, and shows the deep level of respect, you know, the way these two careers have, have intertwined. Um, but this is the last thing he says. Now, he says, Mr. Letterman is not for the mawkish and he has no truck for the sentimental. But if something is true, then it is not sentimental. And I say in truth, Dave, I love you. <laughs> it's like that's and he gets very emotional. He kind of hides from the camera a little bit and you can tell he's trying to hold back tears. And this is a very big this is a very big moment for him, a very big emotional moment. Um, this kind of thing, this I love you thing, he did it for Bob Saget, too. This was happening more, and we're going to talk more about this in the After Dark, because he, at this point in 2015, he has had cancer. Uh, nobody really knows that he has, but he's, you know, he's been staring into the abyss a bit. And we're going to talk more about that in the After Dark. Um, but he's starting to tell his friends that he loves them, texting them uh, randomly. Hey, man, mm. remember, I love you. You know, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah, heavy. Yeah. Um. Now, throughout the 2000s and the 2010s, he plays a bunch of uh, he gets a bunch of acting roles. None of them are particularly long running or particularly prominent. One thing we did miss, he had a sitcom uh, in 1999 through 2001 called uh, The Norm Show. I play Norm, he would say. <laughs> would right. like, what of, what of his stand-up specials is called me doing stand-up right it's right just, <laughs> yeah yeah whatever you call it uh yeah yeah it's not, but you yeah. but you know it was calculated yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah no i love i love that joke i put he would always stop for a second i play norm yeah <laughs> um and it's a pretty good sitcom but it's a it's a sitcom you know it's not there's nothing like really revolutionary about it. Apparently in 2007 or 2008, there was some talks about him doing a sort of faux reality show that would be um, basically like the only thing I can think of is like Curb Your Enthusiasm almost, right? Because you like, imagine Curb Your Enthusiasm, but with Norm instead of Larry David um, definitely could be quite funny. I'd right? watch with, that. Yeah, with good writers, it could be hilarious, right? Um, so that was in the works and never really happened. Um, he does get this show um, on for a little bit. At, this is his second sitcom. It's called A Minute with Stan Hooper. Um, I couldn't really even, I had a hard time even finding, I was going to watch an episode or two of it because I missed it back in the day. Um, the premise is pretty interesting. So I'm just going to read the plot premise of A Minute with Stan Hooper from Wikipedia. Hooper, a famous newspaper column columnist turned television commentator moves his family from their New York home to a small Wisconsin town, Waterford Falls, where he hopes to get uh, better get in touch with middle America and attempt to make his weekly minute long television commentaries more appealing to a larger audience. While there, he interacts with the folksy and largely strange townspeople of Waterford Falls, almost like the David Lynch kind of thing a little bit, maybe. Um, now, here's what's funny where I think it gets kind of funny. McDonald has said his goal was for the show to lull its audience into complacency and become more subversive as time went on. It included a plan for Stan's wife, Molly, to be murdered by a drifter at the end of the first season. <laughs> the show was canceled before any such plans were enacted. 
that sounds awesome doesn't it right like it starts really normal sitcom and then all of a sudden it's getting weirder and weirder and weirder somebody should write something like that yeah that's a little bit yeah lynchian Lynchian. waterford falls sounds like somebody from the northeast writing the name of a city they think would be in wisconsin (laughs) right doesn't it it does it's a good point it doesn't really (laughs) it doesn't sound like a wisconsin place yeah no yeah 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 you can't you can't fake the funk no that's true wisconsin the keg of america that's right (laughs) um let's see what else did he have going on oh for a while there was a um a very short-lived sports show with norm mcdonald um and and basically what i'm trying to point out is he had a lot of projects that kicked off in the 2000s and the 2010s that didn't really go anywhere and i mean you can speculate on why this happened like Apparently, people didn't watch a minute with Stan Hooper. Maybe a broadcast sitcom isn't the right thing. Not many people watched Sports Show with Norm MacDonald, which was basically going to be like a sports version of The Daily Show. But as I learned about how intense the gambling it was, I do mm. sometimes wonder like, if he just couldn't show up. Yeah, regularly, you know, like, was he just not able to do a, like a steady job? Because these television shows... It's not a job like you're in a cubicle, a but grind. you got to show up. It's a grind. It's a grind. Yeah, it's hours yeah, a day. You get a lot of people there mm-hmm. on on a schedule. A lot of union people. It's a real. Right. It's called the industry for a reason. Right. Exactly. And you know, I think ultimately he liked the talk show thing. Like he would go on any talk show that invited him, basically. And he liked stand just like us, just like us. Yeah, we'll go on any. <laughs> yeah, any I would also go on any practically show. anything. Yeah. yeah indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So I think that's I mean, I think that's part of the reason these projects didn't work out is because they were they just they weren't really what he wanted to do. You right. know, he wasn't and he wasn't a writer like I think, for instance, um, remember when Louis C.K. had not this old sitcom, but the show that he wrote and directed Louis. Yeah, of course. That's brilliant. Yeah. Right. A little show called Louis. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, it was a big <laughs> so- deal. It was, yeah. and it was incredibly, yeah, and we, we kind of forget about all the interesting stuff Louis C.K. did. Um, like, Norm Norm couldn't have written a show like that, and not because he didn't isn't just as funny as Louis or doesn't have the talent. It's not really where his humor lies. His humor isn't in these, like, character things. Louis was being very vulnerable when he wrote Louis, right? Showing kind of the insides of his life. Norm never did that in his comedy, right? Like, you can't play the stupid guy who doesn't know anything and also be like vulnerable. It just doesn't play right. And I mm. think that's a big part of why some of these projects don't work out hmm. uh, as well, at least the sitcom stuff. Um, he does end up doing uh, what I think is one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Norm McDonald live. Funny as hell. It and then, really of course, the, the the season of Netflix, I wish that we had 10 more like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it could have gone on. It could have gone on forever. It was another show that there was never it never had to stop. Right. You just keep interviewing people, 10 people a year forever. <laughs> and it was always good. He brought the best out in people. Um, the Norm MacDonald live. Uh, um, oh, did I not? Well, I want to give you. um Give me a second to find I'm here me. with that. I'm here with Adam Egit. We're going to tell some jokes. <laughs> so good. Well, let me give you one more joke while we're on Norm McDonald live. All right. Um, for some reason, this thing's not refreshing correctly. Ah, make me. it pay. Punish yeah. it. Yeah. Whip, yeah. yeah. whip that Chrome browser. 
here's another one. Yeah, here's one from Norm MacDonald Live, the blue card jokes. A study has found that the average high school prom goer now spends $1,000 or $2,000 if you count the abortion. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> According to a new survey, Robin, Robin Roberts is America's most trusted news anchor and America's least trusted news anchor, Matt Lyre. <laughs> really get that one I matt mean, lauer matt yeah, okay okay yeah. okay mm-hmm. one more um i can't stand stuck up bodies of water it's like get over yourself lake superior <laughs> god so dumb so dumb it's a dad joke it's it a is. dad it's joke total, it's totally a dad joke yeah um i wanted to um just read it, part of the humor of this stuff too is that it runs so counter to the thread of comedy right like yeah. all the new trends and this is what comedy is gonna be now and we're this and oh what does the net mean and it's like no we're just gonna sit around and read some dad jokes and yeah crack yeah. wise at hitler and right and, it just ultimately yeah. is do you find it fun like does it make you laugh like right. full stop. And, well, and, yeah. and 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 if only every three of those make you laugh, the buildup from the crummy ones is part of the fun. Right. Oh, right. Like, right. Every yeah, joke doesn't have to be one. this perfect, polished thing. That's part of the fun of like dumb jokes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, let me just give you a, a quick read run through of some of the people who are on Norm McDonald's live. Uh uh, Tom Green, Fred Stoller, Russell Brand, Billy Bob Thornton, Larry King, Kevin Nealon, uh, Andy Dick, Ray Romano, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Carl Reiner, Fred Willard. That's actually my favorite one is the Fred Willard one. Uh, Bob Saget, Roseanne Barr, uh, Mark Marin, um, Stephen Merchant. It's a great one. Sarah Silverman, Jerry Seinfeld. The Jerry Seinfeld one is great. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner was this really is the pod, right? Yeah, yeah. Dana yeah. Carvey, uh, Tim Allen, the final episode. Uh, I'm I'm skipping some of them. The final episode was Jim Carrey. Now, the show was on, they did an episode in 2013 and then an episode in 2014 and then the third, or sorry, a season in 2014. And then season three was sort of, and started at the end of 2016 and went into 2017. So there was a several year gap there. Uh and they had a different set in season three and the, that sort of thing. Now, what was going on in the meantime was two things. He was writing this book based on a true story, uh, the Norm Macdonald, not a, not a memoir. Um, and I think one of his big, one of his big uh, time sinks was he was the pigeon on the Mike Tyson mysteries. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So the, if, for people who don't know, the Mike Tyson mysteries, which are hilarious, by the way, it was an animated series. Mike Tyson plays himself and they're like a they're almost like a Scooby Doo gang that goes around and solves mysteries. It's Mike Tyson. Um, it's this girl. I can't remember her relationship to him. It's the ghost of the guy who invented the Queensberry rules. Right. Of um, course, our yeah. friend from the Oscar Wilde. episode. Exactly. Oh, it's all right. connected. Right. And then Norm Macdonald plays a pigeon. Like Perfect. an actual pigeon, and he's dirty. He's filthy. He's 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 constantly making filthy jokes, and like he's horned up. He's liquored up. So Norm was on like fifty episodes, all the episodes of that, and he was writing this book. So I think that's where the break to um, break in the podcast came. Unlike us, who we just do everything all at once. 
no breaks ever. we go hard that's right that's Your right favorite effort pod support that's the right. pod get ready for the after dark episode patreon.com slash art of dark pod season three book club it's all happening it is all happening all of it um okay so i want to talk a little bit about his lifestyle and the way he rolled in this last 10 years or so i'm glad you said that because i, I have a an episode title and it is going to be Oh, you know what? I I was going to say Norm McDonald's rolling punchline, but I sort of like Norm McDonald's punchline tautology. Which one would Norm prefer? I don't know if he'd prefer either. What if it's like Norm and the <laughs> perfect it, joke? No, I think it would be... I, 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 you know what? Norm McDonald makes a joke. Okay. <laughs> Norm, okay, all right. Wow. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. You let me know. You let we're, me we're know. not quite done yet. Some something could pop up too. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So in 2008 or so, he does this radio interview that's I think quite revealing, and I think he's only partially joking. And he talks about it's like with one of these morning zoo radio people, sets a guy and a girl, you know, and um He's talking about how he has this very monk-like existence. They're like, oh, you must have a big house. He's like, I live in a very small apartment. Um, you must go out with women a lot. I don't, I haven't had sex in a decade. Uh, you know, what about a car? He didn't drive. He never learned how to drive. Even he, out in LA. Right, exactly. And there are some stories from some people, a couple people who had fallings out with him, including the comedian Fred Stoller, who says that he could be very manipulative to get people to give him a ride. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, because he's out wherever he is. I don't know where in L.A. he was. But yeah, for people who've been to L.A., you kind of need a car. You need a car. Right. Um, And. You know, he's he's and there's other things in this interview that are really interesting because they talk about, you know, oh, you drink, you smoke pot. He would always claim that he never he didn't really drink and he didn't smoke pot. I don't know how true that is. Part of that is image. Tom Segura, the comedian Tom Segura tells a story about smoking weed with him right before a show. And this would have been like 2012 or 2015, right around there. So I don't know how true how, you know, what was he an alcoholic? I don't think so. Did he have a drink from time to time? I think he probably did. Um, same thing for pot, whatever. Um, clearly, his real vice was gambling, as we've discussed. Right. Um but in this interview, he talks about how he's upset. He wants to look at life headlong. This is how he describes it. He wants to look right at it as it's coming, right? He doesn't. Um, he doesn't want these things. He, he's not materialist because he doesn't want these things. He says at one point that he bought a house, and as soon as he bought it, he's like he basically says he says it differently, but paraphrasing, he says, "I bought myself a prison cell." Like he he feels like he's getting hemmed in and and owning things just owning things just keeps him bound to physical reality almost right mm -hmm. um and so these things don't really and, and, you know part of it is like I mean I guess if you don't spend money on anything losing four hundred thousand dollars is not that big a, as big of a deal as you don't have a got. big family you don't have a wife he has right. the one the one he's, child he's got the son he's got the one son sure right yeah. yeah it's not like he's got five kids three different women yeah. right right mm. right um he claims in this interview that he eats all of his meals at a nearby diner um that he doesn't even make coffee at home he has coffee at the diner 
Um, and yeah, I mean, he sort of settled into this like retired old man widower style of life in a way. And he's reading a lot. He reads a lot of Russian literature. He reads a lot of Mark Twain. Um, he says he often would, he, he said he would often read books over again. So he would often reread the same books, really trying to get as much out of them as he possibly could. Um, and a lot of this is partially why I think he wanted to write the memoir as a novel. He was sort of flabbergasted when they were putting it in the nonfiction section at bookstores. He's like, it's clearly a novel. It's clearly a novel. Like, and you know, even if you don't know him that well, you're like 10 or 15 pages in, you're like, oh, he's making this up. This is not real. Right. <clears throat> and the fourth wall gets broken and all kinds of stuff. It's very, it's very funny. It's very well done. Um, but it's not his life story. Mm. Uh <laughs> um, yeah, let's see what else. So, okay. I'm gonna get into um his sort of there's a controversy kind of at the end, towards the end, right? So we've got his Norm MacDonald Live goes until 2017. And then in 2018, basically the same show gets turned into uh, a Netflix show. It goes off of, I think it was on All Things Comedy or something like that. They give it a little bit of a budget. Um, it's essentially the same show, though, except it's on Netflix instead of right now. It's even hard to find Norm Macdonald live. Like you got to put in just the right keywords to, to get to a site. Like there's a couple episodes on YouTube, but the whole thing isn't on YouTube, for instance. Um, now he he moves into this. Norm Macdonald has a show and it's interesting. Apparently, <clears throat> the CEO of Netflix, Ted Serratos, Norm Macdonald was his favorite comedian. Ah, uh, right. that helps. Mm -hmm. Right. It definitely helps. And so when 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 Dave Chappelle was getting that, you know, multi multiple tens of millions of dollar deal to release these specials, that was actually Ted Serrato's kind of doing, according to Norm. I don't know how true that is. And and, you know, this <laughs> and, you know, they were sort of like, well, Norm, what are we, we going to do with you? You know, like, what can we do with you? And he just wanted to keep doing his same show basically have him and Adam you get in 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 studio um and, and part of the reason part of the reason he wanted to do this was he loved all the old broadcasters he loved Johnny Carson he loved Bob Hope he loved that old feel that weirdly kind of classic feel of things mm -hmm. and he didn't dress sure. up for it and he swore and he said terrible things but he liked the mute the intro music he liked you know he would even have use some of the same catchphrases like um larry king used to say for the full hour we've got whoever norm mcdonald would say that we've got for the full hour dana carvey like of course it's for the full hour i, I kind of remember show, this yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just funny little funny little bits like that um when he has a uh, uh, when it goes to Netflix, it's called Norm Macdonald has a show, which I think is great. Um, some of the guests there include uh, David Spade, uh, Drew Barrymore, Judge Judy, David Letterman came on, Chevy Chase, uh, Michael Keaton, M. Night Shyamalan. I forgot about that one. Uh, Lorne Michaels comes on and then Billy Joe Shaver. Billy Joe Shaver was norm's favorite musician this old country music guy and norm mcdonald said he was one of the best he and bob dylan were the two best writers alive mm. um and he's got this thing 
Norm has a thing from a Billy Joe Shaver song that he really likes, which became a very meaningful statement for him, which was, I'm just an old chunk of coal, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. That's mm. sort of in his mm-hmm. later years, that's kind of encapsulates in some way Norm's perspective on himself and 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 his own life. We're going to talk about all the religion stuff a little bit because it does factor in because throughout these 2010s, he's sort of on a spiritual journey. Uh, it ends up with him being a Christian, but it doesn't necessarily start that way. I mean, the first kind of spiritual advisor sort of person he goes to is actually a rabbi. Um, and he thought that he learned quite a bit talking to this guy. He was trying to, you know, he was trying to understand God, understand his the faith of his culture, but also what it could mean for him. He would talk about at times sort of struggling with it, like not knowing what, not coming around to this conclusion that it's almost not what you believe. It's the whole thing is really, a, it's a, it's, it's a sort of a, a wrestling match with yourself. Right. So it's not necessarily about like, Oh, do you believe these things? It's, it's the very old, the way we used to think about religion before we all let ourselves be so many people let themselves be atheists where you wrestled with it. Right. It was mm-hmm. something right. You didn't give up on it really ever, but you kind of came and went out of it and you you doubted things and you had you found your faith again. He was on that sort of track. And he talks at one point about going to like <clears throat> almost like evangelical revival type meetings and saying, like, I don't really believe what they're saying, but I feel good when I'm here. Something mm. resonates here with me. And I don't know what it is exactly, but he's trying to sort of figure that out. Um, he does have jokes about this whole religious thing that are sometimes funny. Like at one point he says, um, he says, I don't like to get preachy. All I'm saying is that the only way to get to, the he- to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. No big deal. <laughs> I don't want to get preachy, but <laughs> one true faith. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's coming around to it. He does seem to be coming around. Did to he it. ever finally did he make it to the church or did he just linger well, in Protestant? Well, no, land? he went he went I I don't think he ever really settled on a as far as I know, he settled on a particular denomination, but I know one thing like later in his career when he was touring on for comedy, he would go to churches when he was in a new city. He would go to mm. a church. He would go to a church service. That's something nice. Took, yeah. Yeah. It was something he took quite, quite seriously. Um, I want to talk, we're going to kind of circle back around to that a little bit. First, I want to talk about the final Norm McDonald controversy. We had the controversy with the transsexual menace and with Don Olmeyer and uh, the whole OJ thing. We had the controversies with uh, uh, when he got kicked out of the state of Iowa, right? (laughs) Yeah, Um, he's not he's not immune. He's not immune to these controversies at all. Um, There was another one that I'm blanking on. Anyway, OJ, OJ. Yeah, the whole OJ thing. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about OJ, what I meant to say earlier, he Norm McDonald became very close friends with Cato Kalin after the whole thing. You remember Cato Kalin? And the name. Yeah. yeah Cato Kalin was a house guest of OJ Simpson at the time of the murders and was a witness mm. in the trial. And Cato Kalin was like a failed actor who like kind of parlayed that court appearance into like some level of fame, though I don't know, mm. like he never had money or anything or never really starred in anything. But he was like a, in the 90s, especially he was like, a, you know, people knew Cato Kalin was. But mm. Norm Macdonald became friends with him. They would go play tennis together and play golf together, apparently. Mm. 
because this is another thing that Norm needed, especially like in the 2010s. Um, he lived right next to his mother, right? In these later years, um, he'd moved her in right next to him. And he, but he always needed, he wanted to have a friend, he wanted to have friends around. Mm. And sometimes when you get to, when you get to be per, like, he's an old, a bit older man, he's got some money, he's got some success, but he doesn't have any real family, right? He's, his kid is an adult at this point, or basically an adult. He's not married. He's not in a romantic relationship. He's not having more kids. And so he kind of would bring like buddies around. Yeah. And sure. the thing is, the thing is all his friends that he grew, he came up with, they're either gone like Chris Farley or they're like Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's he's your friend, but he's not going to buddy around with you on a Wednesday. Yeah, he's, he's busy. Yeah. Right. So, so he needed people like Cato Kalen, who doesn't have anything else going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And who this can drive him. And I can see him in LA too. This right. is quite a scene. Right. Yeah. Right. And drive him Permanently sunny. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so he always, yeah. So it's just a kind of interesting trying to picture him there and, and, you know, I, the image that I like to have him in these later years is not, it, it's maybe a little bit of a sad image, but I don't think it was necessarily sad for him. It's literally him sitting in his house, maybe watching a sports game, you know, watching some sports or reading a book, you know, reading Dostoevsky um, or and writing some jokes down. And the funny thing about the whole reading bit, other people would say this, you know, he'd be on his third reading of the Brothers Karamazov, right? And he would refer to it and when he's talking to somebody. He would be like, yeah, I'm reading this uh, Dostoevsky guy. Something. Something. I don't know what it is. It's all right. But like he knew exactly what he was reading, right? Like he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So funny. Um, <clears throat> okay. So the last controversy, as I promised. Okay. So for folks who might remember... <laughs> It's not that long ago. It's 2017, 2018. Louis C.K. got me too'd, right? People remember that. He was he was masturbate. He he would like get these young female comedians in his office and he would like masturbate in front of them. He would ask if he could masturbate in front of them, then he would right for people who might remember that. Um so that happened, and a bunch of people were getting me too'd. And uh Rose another thing that happened was Roseanne. Roseanne's show was coming back, basically the same show, but it was the same characters, same actors, and it was coming back, you know, 20 some years later. Um, and Roseanne got into a bit of trouble. I don't know if people remember this that well. She's, you know, they got this show on now called The Connors that used to be her show that they kicked her off of because of these tweets. Um and basically, I want to get this right. Hold on, let me click this link. So um, May, tw uh, May 29th, 2008, uh, Roseanne Barr responded, uh, responded to a thread on Twitter about Valerie Jarrett, a senior advisor to former president. Valley Jarrett. Jarrett. Valerie Jarrett. Jarrett? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, her, her tweet, Roseanne Barr's tweet said, Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good. And so this is, you know, this is basically the end of Roseanne's career. Now, there's a lot of hedging. There's a lot of things that can be said about the background. And I'm not here to to like re, uh, you know, 
I'm not here to like bring this back out and decide whether good or bad or anything. Right. Apparently she was on Ambien and a bunch of other stuff and who knows. But the point I guess is that for us is that Norm wrote a piece that was basically talking about both Louis C.K., Andrew Zambar, and another comedian, Chris Hardwick, who'd also been Me too basically talking about how, um, you know, that these people had suffered too, right? Their careers had been taken away from them and discussing whether or not it was sort of fair for their entire careers to be taken away from and how he tried to put Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr in touch because he were, they were the only two people he knew who'd had their entire careers taken away from them overnight. And he thought that they might be able to relate to each other, right? <laughs> and so you're not allowed to... Sh- I mean, in 2018, you're not allowed to... Um, you're not allowed to show any ambiguity towards people who have violated the narrative, right? Right, right. Louis C.K. has to be 100% evil. Roseanne Barr has to be 100% evil. Anything less than that, and you're, you you might as well be them, right? Um, and so Norm came under fire for this. Part of the problem was at the same time he's trying to promote Norm MacDonald has a show, right? He's supposed to go on the Jimmy Fallon, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and he they they disinvite him because members of the staff are crying because they're scared of Norm Macdonald coming on. Ugh. God, it's, it's so Fallon. I'm Fallon. Yeah, yeah. So they Ugh. don't have him on. Um, and it's just so it's just it's so it's so funny because it's you look back on it, it's only a few years ago and it's like guys come on like. Even if you disagree with Norm, what are we crying about? What, what, we're crying? <laughs> right. And then this guy, in a few years, he's going to be dead. He's one of the greatest comedians right. to ever live. And you've just blown your shot over uh, a news cycle. Right. Right. Of hysteria. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's here's where it got a little bit. Here's where he kind of dug himself in a little bit more of a hole. So mm-hmm. he goes on Howard Stern. And he's talking about he's 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 talking about this whole thing. I think this might have been before Fallon. I might have it. I think it's after Fallon, the Fallon cancellation. He basically says something about like, um, he thinks he thinks that if you, he, he says something along the lines of like, if you think I'm okay with what Louie did, you'd have to have Down syndrome. So that's what he says. He's basically saying, I don't agree with what Louie did. I'm just, you know, my heart goes out to him. But he says, if you think I'm okay with it, you'd have to have Down syndrome, which digs him an even deeper hole, right? Right. So he's th- not. So, that's not the apology they no, want. No. Yeah. So Norm has to go back on the view and do, go through. <laughs> yeah, to talk about go, the, the Clinton kill list again. Right, right. Go through the humiliation ritual of going back on the view and explaining himself. And he actually does a reasonably good job of explaining himself. And he has this very nice thing that I think a lot of people engaged in the discourse could afford to remember where he's basically talking about like someone like Louis CK or Brozan or even somebody who's committed a crime and saying, you know, trying to remind you that the person who broke the rule or whatever is also a human being. And he's, it says your heart can break for two people at the same time. Hmm. Your heart can break for the person who was say murdered and it can also break, and I think this is him doing the Christian thing. Your heart can break for the murderer too. I mean, how far they have fallen, right? 
Um, and he's trying to make that point. And I think he does a fairly good job of laying that out. That used to be the way we understood things. That's how that I grew used up. To be the de, that's how I grew up as well. Yeah, yeah. The de facto way. And now we've fallen into some sort of horrific secular tribalism. It is with no with no way out. No anchor. There's no yep. forgive. There's no forgiveness. Everything is wrong, and there's no forgiveness at the same right. time. Wonderful. Right. Yeah. Delightful. Right. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what's funny about this view issue is he. I think he's he's doing this weird thing where, and I could be wrong. I could be misinterpreting this, but I'm not the only person who's interpreted this interpreted it this way. I think he's both being sincere in his apology and he feels kind of bad and he wants to make sure people understand him about this, you know, a heart can break for two people and that he he was trying to put together his two friends, Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr, because they both needed help and that, excuse me, and they could relate to each other. The only two people he knew that could relate to each other in this situation, right? But he also, at this moment, talking about the whole um, comment he made on Howard Stern, he pops a mint in his mouth and he go, he starts chewing and he goes, that's the moment I realized I'd done something unforgivable. Mm. And I think he was I think he was trolling him on that specifically on that down on that down syndrome point. I think he was like, are you really going to like, you know, is this really yeah, I'm a gonna... comedian? Yeah. What do you on. Yeah. Right. Where is this this right. new line that you keep making? Right. Right. And well, and then he also makes this other point because he's he's experiencing all this flack from the Jimmy Fallon show. And, you know, and then there was questions about whether they were going to continue doing Norm Macdonald has a show. I mean, it got kind of heated. And he also made this point, which was interesting. He's like, you know, the one thing I don't like is I'm I'm getting th- I said some things and I'm getting thrown in with people who did things. Mm-hmm. And that's it is different. Like you can say, hey, you know, I kind of feel bad for Louis C.K. is not the same as doing what Louis C.K. did. Right. Right. He he doesn't and, lock you in a hotel room and tell you he feels bad for Louis C.K. Right. He just right. tells you, he just says doesn't he feels bad prevent right. you from leaving, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And he has this quote. He says, I don't want to get thrown in with people who've actually done something. I barely have consensual sex. joke making a joke right 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 exactly yeah yeah. and 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 i mean he eventually (laughs) yeah he he this all kind of blows over for him in a way i mean partially because he's it's it's a couple it's only four years later he's dead and 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 he starts to get ill not long after this i mean i don't know exactly what his last public his last televised appearance is it might have been that episode of the view i'm not 100 <laughs> sure which is Oof. yeah um but it's not much longer there's whatever the case there's not many of them after that he's on a bunch of other interviews and he does some stand-up uh he does a very funny stand-up bit right before the lockdowns of corona uh, coronavirus lockdowns and you kind of have to think to, to laugh at him you kind of have to think back to where everybody was right when it kicked off when we didn't really mm-hmm. know nobody knew what was happening right and and, 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 but he's got like one bit in there. He says something like, um, what does he say? Oh, he says something like, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't, nobody knows how you're going to, you're going to die. Well, I mean, we all know now how we're going to die, but think back a couple of weeks to when you didn't know how you were going to die. Right. Stuff like that. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, um, okay. I want to read, here's the other part of the Norm McDonald career, because he was also one of the best tweeters of all time. I think. Mm, right. Incredible. Right. 
Um, I'm, just, I'm not going to read you a bunch of them, but I'm going to read you a couple. Um, here's one. Here's one. Uh, I, these are kind of in random order. Um, scripture, faith, grace, Christ, glory of God. Smart man says nothing is a miracle. I say everything is. I like that. Hmm. Here's another one. The Enlightenment, capital E, the Enlightenment turned us away from truth and toward a darkling, weakening horizon, sad and gray to see. The afterglow of Christianity is near gone now, and a Stygian silence lurks in wait. Heavy. Wow. Yeah. Now here is him quote tweeting Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, This is uh, April of 2019. Neil deGrasse Tyson said, the universe is blind to our sorrows, sorrows and indifferent to our pains. Have a great day. And Norm MacDonald quote tweets him and says, Neil, there is a logic flaw in your little aphorism that seems quite telling. Since you and I are part of the universe, then we would also be indifferent and uncaring. Perhaps you forgot, Neil, that we are not superior to the universe, but merely a fraction of it. Nice day indeed. All right. All right, here's another here's another one that I just thought was sweet because I want to I want us to remember how sweet he he was, especially towards the end. This is a, in 2018. Somebody had tweeted uh, at Norm McDonald. Hi, Norm. Don't know if you will read this. My mom passed away and was wondering if you could give me some words of wisdom. You are the funniest ever. And Norm quote tweeted and said, take all the love for, you have for her, Pablo, and give it freely to all that you meet. Your mom will look down upon you happy and proud. And so he's a, he's a sweetheart, right? Hmm. Um, now, in the After Dark, we're going to talk more about the illness and kind of the story of that illness um, and the hints he was dropping in his show and his public appearances and the interviews and things. Um, what well, I'll say here is September 14th, 2021, just over a year ago, pretty suddenly... He, I mean, I, I remember it hit me. I came across it on Twitter. It was hard for me to believe, honestly, at first. Um, he, we got word that he died and that he'd been sick for a long time and that very few, if any, people really knew how sick he was. Maybe his doctors and maybe his very closest friends. Apparently, even his extended family didn't know. His nieces and nephews and things like that didn't know. Um, his friends certainly didn't know. Uh, his assistant and producer, Lori Joe Hoekstra, uh, Hoekstra knew, um, and very, very few others. We're talking half a dozen people maybe knew that he was sick. Um, I want to read... Um, I got one more thing to read uh, and then we'll kind of wrap for a bit. Um, This is from based on a true story is 2016, not a memoir (laughs) written. It's like auto fiction, but good uh, and funny uh, and takes, takes some interesting turns. I want to read you this thing. It's from here. It's a couple of pages, but I think it's quite good. Um, It's called the final chapter. Funnily enough, it's not actually the final final chapter in the book, but the chapter is called the final chapter. This is from Norm. There's the way things are and then the way things appear, and it is the way things appear even when false that is often the truest. If I am remembered, it would always be by the four years I spent at Saturday Night Live and maybe even more than that by the events surrounding my departure from that show. As long as SNL exists, then so do I. 
When people come to see me do stand-up, it is because somewhere in their memory I live on SNL, dressed as a young Burt Reynolds, insisting Alex Trebek refer to me as Turd Ferguson. And they come to see me, and I am old and fat, and I don't mention SNL, and I do my answering machine joke, and they are happily disappointed. After the show, they stand beside me and take pictures, the way you would with a donkey at the side of a road. They tell me they are a big fan, and they don't care what their girlfriends say. They understand me, even though they know good and well that nobody else does. I'm dry, they say. The next time I come to their town, they don't show up. It can be difficult to define yourself by something that happened so long ago and is gone forever. It's like a fellow at the end of the bar telling no one in particular about the silver medal he won in high school track, the one he still wears around his neck. The only thing an old man can tell a young man is that it goes fast, real fast, and if you're not careful, it's too late. Of course, the young man will never understand this truth. But looking back now, I can see that my life since SNL has been a full sprint trying with all my might to outrun the wolves of irrelevancy snapping at my heels. It has all been in vain, of course. They caught and devoured me years ago. But not completely. Lorne would see to that. My foot would still make a vague imprint. Myself would still cast a faint shadow. And years later, I would write a book. Not only write it, but be in it as well. I think a lot of people feel sorry for you if you were on SNL and emerged from the show anything less than a superstar. They assume you must be bitter but it is impossible for me to be bitter. If I've been lucky. If I had to sum up my whole life, I guess those are the words I would choose, all right. When I was a boy, I was sure I'd never make it past Moose Creek, Canada, but I've been all over this world, except for Europe, Asia, Australia, Africa, and South America. Oh, and Antarctica. But that's really splitting hairs. I mean, how many people have ever been to Antarctica? I have never expected to be any more than a common laborer, and I would have considered myself lucky to have achieved that, but I was blessed with so much more. I'm a stand-up comedian and have been for over a quarter of a century. I perform, I've performed thousands of hours from a small club in Ottawa, Ontario, all, all the way to a small club in Edmonton, Alberta. Sometimes I get big laughs and think I'm the best stand-up in the whole world, and other times I bomb and I think I'm not even in the top five. before i was famous i had a whole bunch of jobs where all i needed was boots people would look right past me or if they did look at me was with a mean look but when i got famous people would look at me and smile and wonder where they knew me from if they flat out recognized me they'd laugh and dance like they'd won a prize and i'd just stand there and smile and feel warmth from their love so the fame made the world which is a real cold place a little less cold and as for my gambling, it's true I lost it all a few t- a few times, but that's because I always took the long shot and it never came in. But I still have some time before I cross that river. And if you're at the table and you're rolling them bones, then there's no money in playing it safe. You have to take all your chips and put them on double six and watch as every eye goes to you and then to those red dice doing their wild dance and freezing time before finding the cruel green felt. <laughs> I've been lucky. Mm. I I love that. I mean, I love a lot of things about it. I love the little humor in it. I love that his final sort of thought is I've been lucky. And I love that thing. If you're at the table and you're rolling them bones, there's no money in playing it safe. I love, I just, I love that perspective. Sort of like he came to the show and he's going to do it. And this is why he's, that's where the gambling and the humor and the career, it's all entangled. And and not to say, you know, you should go out and gamble all of your life savings away. But like, there is something to having the balls to do that, right? 
whether or not it's a good idea, it's not a good idea. But mm. <laughs> but having having that spine to you is indicative of something. And Norm certainly had whatever that thing is. Um, so Norm yeah. McDonald's long shot. I like that. Yeah, there we I like go. That. I love that, Brad. Are we done? Thanks, did you man. get to? Yeah, get no, to the that's death? yeah. Well done. We Com- yeah, congratulations, another banger with the great. I hope so. This I, was, it felt, that was a journey, dude. Yeah, I'm glad. I got to say, this is one was tricky because uh, there's the biographical material is so scattered. It's so all right. over the place. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's difficult to pull it into a single narrative in a way. So I hope I hope people feel like we told the Norm Macdonald story well. It really landed for me there at the end with that uh, rather poignant piece of writing, and uh, just reminded me. Yes, we are. We were dealing with a genius here who understood comedy at a level that very few people ever will. Uh, yeah. And, and had his is, own sense of style and his own voice. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the thing you realize as you're going through, it's sort of like you're watching this stuff and it's one thing to see a Norm Macdonald bit and you find it funny. And it's another thing to really sit there and think about who this guy was and what this stuff meant to him. He would talk about this is one thing I didn't mention. He didn't think that stand up comedy was a craft, uh, an art. Mm. He said that it was a craft. And the reason, and I kind of love this, the reason that it was a craft and not an art is there's only one invalid interpretation. Is it funny or not funny? A novel can have all these different subtleties and you want it to be different interpreted differently by different people. Right. And he had much respect for all the arts, but for him, comedy was about, was about sending a heat seeking missile out for one target. And that target was to make people laugh. Right. And so it is. Brad. (laughs) Yes. Well done, Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com, patreon.com slash artofdarkpod. What are we talking on in the after dark? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna tell the more specific story of Norm MacDonald's death on the after dark. There's some, some stuff in there that's not necessarily a little bit. It takes some digging, so please stick around. It's going to be good. Support the pod. We've got big things coming next year, including the book club. We love our listeners. Go five star it on iTunes. Follow us on YouTube. Do all of the things. Support friend of the show, Blake Hammond. He's got dates coming up. Big Rad Machine. He's a great Mm -hmm. follow on Instagram. And uh, let's let's get out of here and come back on the after dark, Brad. I'm uh, I'll be I'll be ready to go. I'll be ready for some more for some more jokes. Excellent. We'll do a couple of those. We'll do a couple more blue cards. That that Brad Kelly guy, the more I read about him, (laughs) he's a real jerk.